0: symbol of excellence in sports entertainment
1: turn it on and rip the knob off
2: guys, and welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade in episode 91. This week, we're going to cover more of August 1987 in the WWF television. And of course, as always, I am your host, a very hot Ray Russell just came in from outside. And I got to tell you guys, it's only in the 80s and I'm already done with the summer. I must be getting old. But let's face it, yard work is never fun. But anywho, getting back to the grenade, I can't believe it. We're on episode 91. Last week, we had some fun here on the grenade as I opened up the first week of August TV in 1987 in the WWF, and then we played a little game of what if. What if there had been a Summer Slam in 1987, and I booked a fantasy card, got a lot of feedback, a lot of positive feedback. I know usually there's always detractors, there's always people wanting to argue with you about pretty much anything you post online, but I didn't really get that with my fantasy show. I'm not saying anybody patted me on the back and told me I booked the greatest card of all time, or anything like that. That wasn't even my intentions anyway. But I, I got a lot of good feedback in the fact that everything made sense, so I was told, and uh, they just enjoyed the card in general. And yes, I know, I too am saddened that demolition was left off the card. But again, there just wasn't a spot there for them. They weren't really doing anything other than demolishing the job guys at this point. As we know, all of that will change heading into the new year of 1988, but that's a ways away. And right now, we're still right here in the middle of August, August TV. To be specific, as we continue on here this week on the Grenade with more of the month. But before we do that, just a friendly reminder, you can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade and sister shows like Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, Raw vs. Nitro, as we chronicle the entire era of the Monday Night War. You can also listen to our show, Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. 100% guaranteed territory talk each and every week there on Regional Wrestling. Right now, two projects going on over there. Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1981 with guest co-host Jamie Ward, also Mid-South Wrestling slash the UWF, 1986 with guest co-host Roman Gomez. Brand new Mid-South 86 episode dropped last week, and we got more coming very soon from both ends, Georgia and the Mid-South. And you can listen to all of those podcasts and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, located over at WrestleCopia.com, that's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere. Your podcast streaming needs are met, from Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. And be sure to follow me on social media, guys. Follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also follow and like me at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Follow me on social media for all the latest goings-on at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old-school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And while we're on the topic of videos, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can find me there at YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade, uploading new footage all the time as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital. There's even a fun January through June 1987 in the WW playlist there. Plenty of the most hard-hitting and pivotal points in the first half of 1987 all in one playlist for you at YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade, plus random other goodies like Georgia 81, the USWA versus WWF feud from 93 just added a couple of IWE matches featuring Steve Olsonowski from the early 80s as well. And of course, if you guys want to watch along, follow along, check out what we're talking about over there on Regional Rast when we do Mid-South in 1986. I have been uploading every episode of Mid-South TV along with the B-Show Power Pro. I've been uploading both shows in chronological order over there on YouTube. So subscribe today. You never know what I'm going to upload next. And, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't didn't say this. It would be a phenomenally, tremendous, stupendous, and really, guys, just a great time to become a WrestleCopia patron. And you can find me there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. If you like anything I do, whether it's on the social media end or here on any of the podcasts or all the podcasts, whatever your heart desires, If you appreciate all the time and effort, which is seven days a week, 24 hours a day. If I'm not sleeping and I'm not dealing with the kids, you better believe I'm working on something here as part of the WrestleCopia podcast network. And that follows over into my Patreon account. And I'm only asking you guys to give it a try at that $5 all-access tier. Get you all sorts of gifts for just $5, including all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes, pages and pages of show notes for every episode of The Grenade, Monday Warfare, and the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Plus, you'll get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade, covering the 1989 and the NWA Project, includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations. Originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the show. But that's not all, guys. you also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. And, of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. All of that, plus bonus video drops and random news clipping ads. Anything that I find that might be a fun ad to Patreon, consider it bonus gifts. And you get all of that, guys, for the low, low price of just $5. It's early access, insanely detailed show notes for three of the podcasts, plus Patreon exclusive watch alongs, remastered episodes with new content edited in, digital downloads, and so much more. You get all of that for just $5. No subscription, cancel any time. Show your support, give it a try for a month. I think you'll like the content we offer. And the best part is, it's not sending me on trips to WrestleMania, it's not paying for vacations for me on the beach. No, sir, guys. Every penny that you give me, goes right back here into funding the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. We have no ads here, so it's you guys who help me financially keep this thing up and running for the months and the years to come. So if you got a few extra bucks laying around in the PayPal or whatever the case may be, and you're looking to support a brand new podcast network, someone you can get behind that will truly appreciate your patronage, I ask you guys to give that $5 all-access tier a try. And now, with all of that out of the way, it's time to jump into what brought you here, guys. We're going to head back into the month of August here in 1987 of the World Wrestling Federation. And this week, we kick things off with the August 8th edition of the Superstars of Wrestling. superstars august the 8th tape back july 15th Glens falls new york at the civic center it's vince mcmahon bruno san martino and where's jesse the body ventura apparently jesse standing by in the locker room with the mouth of the south jimmy hart as the body has the inside info on the battle for bam bam bigelow Hello, everyone. For the
3: past several weeks, we've heard more than a mouthful from the managers in the World Wrestling Federation on what is being called the battle for Bam Bam. They're all in hot pursuit for one Bam Bam Bigelow, a 390-pound strongman who some tout the most agile super heavyweight around. Reports say this guy delivers flying dropkicks, cartwheels, and other aerial maneuvers never seen before from a near 400-pounder. So the question, who's going to land Bam Bam? Well, negotiations are still going on right now, so there's no answer there. However, we do have this bit of information for you.
1: This is Jesse the Body Ventura, and all you people know out there that nothing ever escapes the body when he wants to know. And the body is on top of the battle for Bam Bam. I got the inside info. Jimmy Hart, you know what's happening. Tell the people what's going down,
4: Jimbo. Come on, Jimmy, let it out, man. That's the only way to get over it. Can you believe Bam Bam didn't want me for a manager? But just remember, I still have two world champions.
3: All right, goodbye, Jimbo. But Johnny V, Bobby Heenan, Slick, and Fuji still are in the hunt. Now, those four lay claim to signing Bigelow, but new rule here, guys, only one manager to a wrestler. Now, we decided to take the Bam Bam issue to one of the greatest managers of all time, classy Freddie Blassie.
1: Everybody knows Freddie Blassie knows managing from A to Z, and for what I see about Bam Bam, and what is left for him to select as a manager, I don't know. I know I wouldn't want to be in a running. It's too tough of a job.
3: Well, if a man as knowledgeable as classy Freddie Blassie can't figure it out, you kind of have to wonder if anyone can predict what's going to happen. Perhaps we'll just have to wait for the word from Bam Bam himself. With this special report, I'm Craig DeGeorge.
2: And there you heard it. The battle for Bam Bam officially begins backstage. Jesse Ventura along with Jimmy Hart in a segment titled, what else but the battle for Bam Bam. Jesse has Jimmy Hart break the news here to the fans. Bigelow has apparently rejected Jimmy Hart's offer to become his manager. So Jimmy can't believe it, but points out that he still has two thirds of the men's titles here in the World Wrestling Federation. So, Jimmy Hart officially eliminated for the battle for Bam Bam Bigelow, but four managers still remain on the short list anyway. Who will it be? Jimmy Hart eliminated one down, many more to go, it would appear, as we head off to the ring. Opening match, six-man tag team action featuring Tito Santana, Hillbilly Jim, and the Junkyard Dog, taking on the team of the ace cowboy Bob Orton, the magnificent Morocco, and Joe Murdo? Oh, goody, more of this. But in a positive note, Jesse Ventura now joining commentary for the show as a brawl starting off the match. Everyone involved but quickly settles down into Hillbilly Jim versus Joe Murdo here as Big Jim with a big boot sending down Joe Murdo. And we see tags out to the JYD and Don Morocco as the dog with crawling headbutts sends Morocco to the outside. Bob Orton dropping off the apron, arguing with his partner Morocco to get back in the ring and get the job done. Then once back inside, it's Orton and Tito Santana tagging into the matchup. The Cowboy trying his own partner, Morocco's Tombstone Piledriver, but Tito with a a very unique escape here, upside down in the grasp of Orton Tito, using an upside-down head scissors of sorts to escape the hold from Cowboy Bob. Very unique, hadn't seen that before. Then up next, Morocco tagging back in, and he wants to to outdo Cowboy Bob who tried Morocco's Tombstone. This time it's Morocco going to try Cowboy Bob's Superplex finisher, But before Morocco can get Tito up on the top rope, Orton not going to let his partner show him up. Orton pushing the back of Santana, forcing Tito to fall on top of Morocco. Morocco taking a back bump, Tito landing on top. And inadvertently or not, Santana going to score the one, two, three. Bob Orton costing his own partner the matchup here. Hillbilly Jim and company scoring the win. Three minutes and two seconds. And then post-match, you knew this was coming, guys. Weeks and weeks of anticipation. It all comes to blows here as Orton and Morocco begin to argue once again, leading to Orton slapping the taste out of the Magnificent One's mouth, which in turn leads into a brawl which spills out to the floor, Orton trying for a piledriver on the outside, but Morocco countering with a backdrop on the floor as the fight continues the two men brawling over the guardrail and up into the crowd. Didn't see that a whole lot back in the 1980s, at least not in the World Wrestling Federation. And it really is hard to tell who the heel in the face is at this point they're equally responsible for the issues on the weekly here, and neither seems to be playing up the good guy at this point. And neither guy really been over with the crowd, if I'm being honest with you, for quite a while at this point. So they've removed Mr. Fuji as their manager, hasn't been with him for the last several TV tapings, and they've been playing this up for a while now. The seeds have been planted already in the past between the issues of Don Morocco and Cowboy Bob, so no shock that they finally break up here. In fact, I was expecting it a lot sooner, but... We've already documented their matches on the house shows already with Morocco going over every night by pinfall. So it's not saying much for the future of Cowboy Bob here in the WWF. But we roll on with Update and Craig DeGeorge this week. DeGeorge going to talk about last week's pose down between the superstar Billy Graham and the natural Butch Reed. Of course, Reed not liking the fan response he was receiving. So he attacked the injured hip, the replaced hip of one superstar Graham. Of course, Billy making the comeback there, fighting him off. We see clips of that here on the update segment. And then we hear this promo from the doctor of style slick, the natural Butch Reed. But first, we're going to hear from the superstar himself. Here's Billy Graham. Hello again, everyone. Hey, they are still talking about that
3: big confrontation from last week here in the World Wrestling Federation. It was scheduled as a pose down. The natural Butch Reed and superstar Billy Graham back out incredibly after that major hip surgery. It was Physique City, but this thing went far beyond posing. We'll show you what happened, but first, my conversation with the
5: superstar.
3: Okay, superstar, great to have you back. What a physique. You did it, as you said. Incredible. Buys us. But let me tell you something. Last week, no doubt about it, you were put to the test.
6: Hey, wait a minute, man. The physique contest, the pull down was not the test, brother. The test came. The acid test was when the natural Butch Reed went for the superstar zip when they cut me down, kicked me, and stomped on me. The test was superstar Billy Graham will now survive. I am a survival. And now Butch Reed, you got to deal with superstar Billy Graham
3: one-on-one. All right, superstar. Thank you. Now let's look at what happened last week. Well, that's what happened last week and Butch Reed again. It was only supposed to be a pose down.
7: Yeah, a pose down. It was no pose down. It was an insult to Butch Reed. Let me tell you something. Yeah. you yeah, I hit him. Yeah, I knocked him down because everybody can see that Butch Reed's biceps is bigger. But we pectorals are the bigger. It's trapezius. I'm just a man. A sculptured man. A natural man. And let me tell you something. It's an insult to me. It made me mad. But then it don't do it to be standing out there against this 260 pound brick house, baby. Let me tell you something, Billy Graham. A pose down is one thing. But you're gonna find out what the real natural is all about in that square circle. That ring, baby. I'm gonna put you back in that convalescent home where you come from.
3: Hmm. you get the feeling that this one is far from over? Butch Reed, after all, has been mouthing off throughout Superstar's amazing comeback efforts. And in this first personal meeting, the Superstar showed he can dish it out, too. It certainly will be most interesting following this one. With Update, I'm Craig DeGeorge.
2: All right, and there it was. Graham is back from injury, and they tried to take him out last week, but they did not get the job done. Superstar Graham no doubt going to come for revenge. On the natural Butch Reed, then on the other side, Butch Reed stating that he was insulted last week by Superstar Graham and the fans. Of course, the fans cheering for the Superstar when it was clear the natural with the better body, or so he says. Reed feeling humiliated when he was clearly the bigger and the better of the two. That's why he attacked Billy Graham last week, and he'll do it again. But next time, it may be permanent retirement for Superstar Billy Graham. As we roll back to the ring, Demolition acts and smash Fuji in their corner taking on the team of CV Afi and Brady Boone. We get an insert promo from Fuge. right away. He's still stuck on Bam Bam Bigelow, gloating that Jimmy Hart has been eliminated, so we should know the Bammers' manager sooner rather than later. And don't worry, guys, only a few more weeks of this, I promise. As we head to the ring, Demolition beating down on Afi first as Smash looks to be trimming down a little bit here, a little smaller than he was when he first got here at the beginning of 87. And after the beatdown on C.B. it's Brady Boone's turn in the ring. Brady slingshots in with a dropkick on Smash and a pair of backflips into a dropkick again. But Smash never bumps for either move. And Boone running into a backbreaker before Smash lands a nasty hot shot on Brady. And then it's the demolition decapitation on Boone. Gonna get the demolition the win here. Two minutes and 51 seconds. And up next, we're off to Mean Gene Oakland. First promo of the week with Mean Gene. He's standing by with one half of the Killer Bees. It's Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. All
0: right, quite obviously, we're going to get you back up into the ring here in just a moment or two for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action. One half of the Killer Bees from White Bear Lake, Minnesota. I've known this young man for a long, long time. He is one of the premier athletes in the World Wrestling Federation, one of our great superstars. Jim Brunzel, you and your partner, B. Brian Blair, have been on a roll as of late. As a matter of fact, for the record, let me point out, that in two previous non-title encounters against the Hart Foundation, you have defeated them. And uh, there's talk about upcoming title shots, and this time the titles obviously are going to have to be on the line.
5: Well, we hope so, uh, Gene. You know, it's been been a real tough two years for Brian and myself. Uh, We had a lot of frustrations, we had some injuries, and then we had some bad luck as of late. But... Uh, What you said uh, was true. We did defeat the the Hearts on two different occasions and forced them into a title defense, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to uh, confuse them again. They are a strong team, but, you know, uh, championship teams, a lot of uh, people out there viewing right now don't realize that they're on the road... uh, all the time they're defending their belts from one part of the country to the next part of the country and uh, they have a lot of pressure on them and uh, hopefully uh... that pressure will uh, take its toll on the hearts and maybe brian and i can throw a little mass confusion in and get those belts
0: you know i want to I add a little insight here into what makes jim brunzel tick I, I don't think i don't think a lot of people are aware of the fact that that you, Jim Brunzel, had a kind of a varied athletic background in sports. You competed in football in both uh, high school and college, and also at the pro level for a very short time. You were a track and field man, specifically a high jumper, and uh, it really shows with that flying drop kick of yours.
5: Well, so far it's uh, paid off a lot of dividends, Gene, and hopefully it'll pay off one more big dividend for Brian and myself.
0: He is one of the right stars of the World Wrestling Federation today. He is Killer B, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. Stay tuned, we're right back.
5: And guys,
2: I'd really love to call that a babyface promo, but that was so bland, it's barely a wrestling promo at all. From Jim Brunzel, Mean Gene mentioning that the bees are due for a title shot after beating the Heart Foundation in a non-title match right here on syndicated TV, and Brunzel replies that he hopes next time it'll be for the tag team titles. So Gene putting over Jim's past in mini athletics, and Brunzel kind of just brushes it all off, all the accolades aside, and they can barely make eye contact with the camera as well. And I love Jim Brunzel as a kid growing up. I still love watching his matches today, but he's been in the ring for more than a dozen years here by this point. And you don't have to be a great promo, but better than this after all this time in the business, you would think. Uh, meanwhile, Brian Blair going to be back soon from suspension. The Killer B is going to be back in full tact here any anytime now as we head off to a VTR featuring the million dollar man Ted DiBiase from a recent house show as DiBiase pays a young lady $100 to come out of the crowd and wipe the sweat from his body because everybody's got a price for the million dollar man perhaps even this guy it's George the Animal Steel in the ring taking on Dusty Wolf here still attacking and I I never hear a bell but the match gets going anyway Wolf Slung to the outside on the floor, George Steele following him out there, slamming him on the outside before enjoying a nice turnbuckle snack back in the ring. George Steele then stomping the arm of Dusty Wolf, softening him up for the flying hammerlock. Gonna get Steele the quick win, one minute and 48 seconds. And as we've documented here in 87, the Animals matches on TV, pretty sporadic and quick to the point, and the crowd really enjoys his shtick, so not really hurting anybody, And the best part of all, macho man Randy Savage no longer stuck in a feud here with George Steele. As we move on, another promo, this time Mean Gene standing by Bobby the Brain Heenan and the King
0: Harley Race. I think he's got to be one of the most talked about men, at least at the managerial level in professional sports today. My guest from Beverly Hills, California... He's got quite a spread out on the West Coast. Come on in, Bobby Heenan. I've seen your home in Beverly Hills, California, and I've told you time and time again, it's it's a beautiful place. It's it's quite a shack. There's no question about that. Uh shack? It's quite a palace. I don't know what you want to call it. House. Palatial estate. Palatial At estate. At 3.30 in the morning, when you bail out the window with those wingtips under your arm.
8: That's a shack you leave from. You've never left from my house. My house is a palatial estate.
0: That's, I just that's why
8: I had surround myself with nothing but the best. And the king of professional wrestling is the best. Ladies and gentlemen, get up off your chairs. Get up off that
0: rented furniture,
8: because right now you're going to meet the king of professional wrestling,
0: Harley Race. No question. He is a a great veteran and he is quite an asset to the World Wrestling Federation. Obviously, Your Highness, you've got to be looking down at the road at a shot at the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. I
6: don't look down at anything. I'm above anything. And, Hawk Hogan, you will soon find that out. All you have to do to prove that is put your name on that dotted line. And we'll like accent this crown
8: with 20 pounds of gold. Wouldn't that look nice? The beautiful purple robe, the beautiful gold
0: crown, and that belt around his waist. You think see, that's pretty going to happen to Bobby Heenan? Yes, I do. You, you promised. You we don't. A... Well, I'm just playing well, the I... devil's advocate here. But well, don't play that. I... I...
8: Don't do nothing. Stand here and hold on to that and do nothing else. Because, you see, Hogan... Your days are numbered. I know it. The King knows it.
0: You know it. Whether you know it or not, Does, doesn't make any difference, to apparently. Me. Very good. Seems that he's very hard on me whenever I talk to him. We're going to be right back. Stay tuned.
2: And there it is. Bobby Heenan telling Hulk Hogan his days as champion are numbered, as the King will soon have the gold around his waist. And this feels months overdue. The King and Hogan matches were done a few months back, right after WrestleMania three, but... They'll do it again on a Saturday night's main event here in the upcoming year of 1988. But for now, just a really odd placement for this Harley race promo on Hulk Hogan in the summer of 87. And then it's back to the ring tag team champion Hart Foundation, Jimmy Hart in their corner. And hey, dangerous Danny Davis out there as well. Going to take on the team of Jim Powers and Paul Roma. Powers and Roma don't yet have matching jackets, but they will very soon. We get an insert promo also from Danny Davis who says the WWF officiating stinks since he was fired from the job. And Davis, he really hasn't been out here lately with the Hart Foundation at ringside, but oddly tonight, here he is. And then it all makes sense, guys, as Howard Finkel then introduces a surprise guest, special outside enforcer referee for this match, Mr. T. As T enters the ring shaking hands with Roma and Powers, tries to do the same with the Hart Foundation, who turn their backs on Mr. T, and then T going nose-to-nose nose with Danny Davis. Davis getting in the face of Mr. T. Not really wise there, Dangerous Danny. And then it's the Tag Team Champion Heart Foundation attacking the challengers here as Mr. T is exiting the ring to watch from ringside. The champs working over Powers early on, including their own version of the demolition decapitation and a nice Jim Neidhart power slam to boot. The Powers finally able to dodge a charging hitman and making a hot tag out to Paul Roma. As Vince and Jesse suggest on commentary that Roman powers could be onto something here, they could be future champions with the right guidance. Interesting comment there by the duo. as Paul Roma comes in, a house of fire on both members of the Hart Foundation. Nice drop kicks on both, and then the Hart Foundation colliding into one another, Roma getting Bret Hart in the corner for a monkey flip, but the hitman holding onto the ropes, dropping Roma down in a power bomb of sorts, and then the Hitman cradling him up, putting his feet on the ropes, does Bret Hart to score the one, two, three, Hart Foundation stealing the win here at 2 minutes and 56 seconds. Or do they? Special Enforcer referee Mr. T in the ring to alert the active ref that the hitman used the ropes for leverage to win the match, and the referee reverses the decision. The winners, by disqualification, the team of Jim Powers and Paul Roma over tag team champions, the Hart Foundation. All thanks to Mr. T. And to add further insult, it's Roma and Powers dropkicking the tag team champions out of the ring post-match. And clearly a push planned here for the up-and-coming Roma and Powers. And I touched on it before. Stories floating around that Mr. T would have eventually become the manager of the future Young Stallions here. Even Paul Roma has said so in shoot interviews. But Mr. T began no-showing events heading into the fall was pretty much cut permanently from the WWF. So Mr. T is the manager of the Young Stallions. Not really sure how that would have played out, but intriguing nonetheless. And uh, as you can see here, they didn't pin the Heart Foundation, but they picked up a DQ win here on television. The Heart's having a rough go of it over the summer here against some of the teams, the Killer Bees, and now the future Young Stallions. But nevertheless, Roman Power is getting a pretty big win here on WWF TV. No doubt a push planned in the near future for these two. As we head off to Craig DeGeorge, this time standing by on the interview platform, the brand new special interview platform, Craig DeGeorge talking with Bobby the Brain Heenan and his Islanders. It looks like they've done away with the snake pit in favor of this platform promo set up here. And without saying his name, Bobby Heenan talks about Tom Zenk quitting the WWF, saying he took the smart way out. Brain then says Martel should follow his partner's actions and quit before he's forced into retirement. Then the Islanders having a laugh at the expense of Rick Martell. after Craig DeGeorge suggests that Martell may come at the Islanders all by himself. So one on two, Martel versus the Islanders. Bobby Heenan and his tag team having a laugh at that. As we roll on, back to the ring, Jake the Snake Roberts taking on Barry Horowitz. And as we've seen in his short time here, Horowitz has looked really good, even in losing in the ring, but not so much here today, as it's a short-arm clothesline, And the DDT going to get Jake Roberts the quick win here. One minute and eight seconds. And a little Damien after the match for good measure on Horowitz as well. But the action just keeps rolling on. One man gang out here. Doctor of style Slick in his corner taking on David Studemeyer, as we get an insert promo from the Slickster claiming he has already signed Bam Bam Bigelow. Well, Slick should pay attention to the talent in the ring because Gordbuster by the gang going to get the quick win here. And just 58 seconds. But the one-man gang, not done yet. Post-match, the gang picking Studemeyer back up for a second gourd buster. What's going on here? Referee then admonishing the gang. And now the ref, he too going to eat a gourd buster from the one-man gang here. But we're still not done. More referees running in, trying to stop the gang and Slick. But the gang running off the other officials. And then it's Dusty Wolf and a third jobber out here to the ring. But they too eat the gourd buster. Bodies laying everywhere after this kind of out of nowhere mean streak. But as Hulk Hogan will be finishing up with Killer Khan in the next month, the WWF already building up the next house show challenger for the Hulkster here in the one man gang. So it makes a little more sense when you look at the context of the entire situation. So even when Hogan didn't have a TV feud per se, whether we realized it or not as fans back in the 80s, early 90s, the WWF was building up Hulk's next challenger. For a house show near you. And then, as we close out this edition of Superstars, one more promo here. Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the Colonel Jimmy Hart and the new Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man.
0: All right, here's a man that is on a roll right now, the World Wrestling Federation, and he has been for quite some time. It started out earlier this year, and it's done nothing but continue to shoot up and explode. Come on, if you would, please. Jimmy, the mouth of the South Hart from Memphis, <laughs> Tennessee. I say you're on a roll. You've got the world tag team champions, the Hart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Hart, Jim the Anvil Nighthart. I don't know what plans you have for them other than just title defenses, but, but they are red hot right now. Of course, there are a lot of teams hot on their heels, as you know. You better believe it. But first of all, what
4: plans I have, I sure wouldn't let you know. But, you know, I want to talk about the brand-new WWF magazine. Inside of it, there's a little visit to the Hart Foundation that you can see, Mean Gene, but look who's on the cover, Daddy, huh? That's my main man right here, the honky-tonk man, the champ, baby, the champ.
0: By the way, this particular issue will be out on newsstands very yes. shortly. Not a bad picture of him, either. He I...
3: looks
4: great, man. No, hey, I don't care what kind of picture Honky Talk takes. This man looks great. He is the little Champion, the heart Foundation of the World Champion. You're right. When you're on top, you've got to let it rock, baby. And that's exactly what we're going to do.
0: I don't think I should uh, waste any more that's time you mean, baby. talking about him. Woo! Let's talk to him. He is the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion of the World. He is the Honky Talk Band, the pride and joy of Memphis, Tennessee. And, of course, uh, not only a great professional wrestler, a great intercontinental champion, but a fantastic vocalist, great singer, and, of course, he is an extraordinary musician. Andre Segovia said before he died that this man was one of the greatest guitar players. Listen to this.
4: Oh, it's great. it's so good, Oki.
5: uh, boy. Rough, tub, cocky, and proud of it. Mm, mm -mm. Intercontinental heavyweight champion of the world. Mm. Don't I look good? You, you, tell you, you, me how I look good, tell me On the cover of every periodical in the United States of America <laughs> The Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion of the World You know, this 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 Intercontinental
0: title Obviously is a is a very prestigious belt In the world of sports A couple of men have got their eyes on that belt, Name however
5: them. You Name them all for the honky Name even... somebody that can beat me
0: Well, just let me give you a couple of names here <laughs> How about ricky the dragon steamboat the former champion macho man randy savage another former champion jake the snake roberts very badly wants to become the Intercontinental Champion. Tito Santana's around. A lot of people want that belt.
5: Mm, a lot of people want a lot of things. Peggy Sue wants a lot of things. And she can't have them if a honky-tonk man don't have this belt. What if you didn't
0: have that belt? What would happen to Peggy Sue?
5: Mm, I might be like Macho Man when he's not so macho. See, when he don't have the belt, Elizabeth don't like him too much. <laughs> I think she's got her eye on me. And you didn't name anybody on that list that could beat the honky-tonk man. Not one person. I cannot, I will not, and I won't be beat. Thank you very much. (laughs)
0: Got a lot of fans, millions all over the world, the Honky Talk Man and Jimmy Hart, and stay tuned, we've got more after this.
5: And Jimmy Hart on a
2: roll here in the WWF with all of the champions in his stable honky on the cover of the brand new WWF magazine as well, and really nothing much here this week as Gene mentioned some potential Intercontinental challengers, pretty generic promo here overall from the Honky Talk Man, however, they did drop a little hint of an issue here when Honky Talk Man says... If he didn't have the IC title, maybe Peggy Sue would be just like Elizabeth is with the Macho Man, and maybe she wouldn't like him so much. So implying that Elizabeth, a gold digger of sorts here, does the Hockey Talk Man. So planning a very small seed for what's to come here in the fall of 87 with the Macho Man and the Hockey Talk Man. As we wrap up this edition of Superstars next week, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, going to make his in-ring debut. That should be fun. And of course, we learned this week Jimmy Hart will not be the manager of Bam Bam Bigelow. Who will be eliminated next week? We'll have to wait and find out later here on The Grenade. But for now, we move on to the following day wrestling challenge for August the 9th, 1987. All right, guys, and it is Wrestling Challenge, August 9th, taped back July 16th, Lake Placid, New York at the Olympic Center. Gorilla Monsoon in the introduction this week, but no Bobby the Brain Heenan, as the Brain will be at ringside for the opening bout, so we kick things off, we head to the ring. It is the Islanders, accompanied by Bobby Heenan in their corner, taking on the team of Omar Atlas and Rick Hunter. And it's luscious Johnny V joining the Gorilla on commentary for this matchup, and Johnny V going to take a different approach to this battle for Bam Bam, and rather than claim that he has them already signed, Johnny V doesn't want to talk about the situation. He doesn't want to talk about his business here. Air out the dirty laundry right here on TV. So smart move there by Luscious Johnny as we get an insert promo during this Islanders match from Rick Martell, who informs the Islanders that they have not seen the end of Martell. He's a survivor and a fighter. And whether he comes alone or with a new partner, he's still gunning for Haku and Tama. So Martel not done with the Islanders yet. And as the action gets going, Omar Atlas looking good here this week until Tama holds him for a haku thrust kick. It's all downhill from there, needless to say. The Islanders pick Atlas apart and then move on and do the same to Ricky Hunter as well. And then Omar knocked off the apron, daydreaming on the outside, while the Islanders with leaping, stereo-diving headbutts down onto Rick Hunter. Going to get the win here, 3 minutes and 40 seconds. Is up next, I have a soundbite queued up. It's a VTR yet again of the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. This time, he pays a youngster out of the crowd $100 to kiss his sweaty foot after a matchup. We talked about this on the house show results, and I'll mention it briefly here again on the other side of this soundbite as well. But a very familiar fan. And for those who listen to the house show editions of The Grenade, you already know who this is. But we'll talk about it still on the other side right now. Let's listen to more words from the Million Dollar Man. Ted DiBiase. From the
0: pages of the World Wrestling Federation magazine, here's Update with Craig DeGeorge.
2: Hello again, everyone.
3: More on a WWF newcomer. So new, in fact, we haven't even seen the guy wrestle yet. But we've heard about him. Boy, have we heard about him. Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man. Well, he's making quite a name for himself with his course money-buys-anything-or-anybody motto. As DiBiase says, everyone has a price. And to prove that, DiBiase has been whipping out $100 bills to, among other things, avoid long lines at restaurants, and to kick kids out of a pool so he could have it for himself. Now the latest episode, of course, another disgusting demonstration.
9: I've just polished off another so-called contender who thought that he had enough wrestling talent and ability to be in the same ring with a million dollar man. But he found out very quickly that he didn't have what it takes to stay in the ring with a man of my caliber. And in an attempt to prove to you still unbelieving people out there who don't believe that I can buy anything or anybody, I gave a mere hundred dollar bill, one Benjamin Franklin, to this young man, and what did he do for it? He came into the ring, he got down on his knees, and he kissed my stinking, sweaty feet. A hundred dollars for him. Well, maybe you wouldn't do it for a hundred dollars, but you'd do it for two, or you'd do it for three. The bottom line is, you'll do whatever I ask, because we all know everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man.
3: What kind of twisted mind does this guy have? Remember, this million-dollar man is no good Samaritan. He's getting his kicks, reducing a human being down to the lowest elements, all for a
2: buck. With Update, I'm Craig DeGeorge. There was the million-dollar man once again paying a fan out of the crowd $100 to kiss his sweaty foot. That fan would go on to become none other than Rob Van Dam. And, you know, recently on Twitter, somebody posted a picture of RVD in his early days wrestling uh, under the uh, name of Matt Byrne. He couldn't come up with a name. They didn't want to name him Rob Zetkowski. Certainly didn't want to call him Rob Van Dam in his early goings there as a job guy in the World Wrestling Federation. So as a rib, somebody suggested, well, we'll call you Matt Byrne. Of course, a double meaning there. And I asked Rob on Twitter, I said, Rob, what did you get paid more for? The million-dollar man spot or wrestling as a job guy? And said, job guy, $150, the million-dollar man spot, $100. So that $100 was legit. They didn't give him more. They didn't take it away. RVD got $100 for kissing the foot of the million-dollar man. And then later on, working as an enhancement talent, he got a buck 50, just $50 more to wrestle in the ring. So I want to thank Mr. RVD for answering my question. Um, and another fun piece of wrestling history there. As we roll back to the ring, Hillbilly Jim going to team up with Tito Santana. Oh, no six-man this week. Well, we had one on superstars. They team up here, tag team action against Barry Horowitz and Joe Murdo. And poor Tito. Poor, poor Tito. Talk about a change in direction for his career coming soon. I bet he can't wait. As at the very next set of tapings, things will pick up for one Tito Santana. But for right now, we get an insert video of Little Beaver, who has been accompanying Hillbilly Jim to some of his matches. In recent weeks on the house shows, Little Beaver is shown watching this matchup on a monitor in the locker room, and he's in his full wrestling guard, by the way, head feathers and all, and Beaver gets so excited on the folding chair, he winds up falling backwards in the chair. Falling out of his chair there is Little Beaver, and I can hear Vince now, Ha ha! Midgets falling out of chairs! Now that's funny, pal. Whatever you say, Vince. As Big Joe Murdo tries to match strength with Hillbilly Jim early on, but that ain't happening, and then next then Tito Santana and Barry Horowitz for a fun exchange. And eventually it's Santana with the flying forearm and the figure four leg lock on Joe Murdo going to give Hillbilly Jim Santana the win two minutes and 56 seconds. And then after the match, we learned the real reason the WWF brought the jumping bomb angels all the way from Japan. Was it to take on the ladies champions, Leilani Kai and Judy Martin? Was it to become the next ladies world tag team champions in general? No, no. The real reason the Angels brought over here to the World Wrestling Federation? Why? To try the new WWF ice cream bars, of course. As we see Norio Tateno and Itsuki Yamazaki taking a bite at the ice cream. And Bobby Heenan quips on commentary. He says that while the Bomb Angels like ice cream on a stick, their favorite meal is squid on a stick. I wrote, geez, Bobby. As we move on, we got Mean Gene lined up with a promo here. He's going to talk to the Doctor of Style Slick and the Natural butch reed
0: all right here we go again doctor of style slick come on in always natalie attired whenever he steps in front of our world wrestling federation television cameras from down to the great state of texas you know you built yourself quite an empire here on the world wrestling federation slick and for that i'll have to compliment you
6: exactly and let's talk about the cream of the crop this man right here the natural butch reed you know i'm insulted i'm outraged and incensed over the fact that that broken-down, jalopy-bodied
7: superstar Billy Graham would have the nerve, the audacity, the unmitigated gall to put that broken-down, beat-up body in front of this massive individual here.
0: Well then, what happened to you? You deserved it, brother. Right, Holmes? I've got a question for you, Natural Butch Reed. What in the world came over you? What possessed you to—it was an unprovoked attack he didn't he didn't do anything to deserve that you were totally out of line when you pearl Harbor.
7: don't ever tell me i'm out of line i got a reason to do everything that i got to do i was insulted you understand you looking at our body here you looking at a 260 pound big house baby that's gonna knock billy graham's lights right out because nobody has the right to come out there and shame me. That's all the work. Then all the toilet drive I've been through down the road and everything. Then nothing happened, so i sucker's going to come back out of the blue and try to blow me out of the saddle. Well, let me tell you something, boy. Let me tell you something, musclehead. Two broken down heads, Then What's going to be happening is you. That old hip of yours is going to get blown right after a second till you keep on messing with
2: the natural man.
0: Obviously, no love lost between the natural Butch Reed, Slick, and superstar Billy Graham.
2: And I love the line there as they refer to the superstar as the broken-down, jalopy-bodied superstar. You don't hear the word jalopy nearly enough these days. And once again, Reed reiterating, he attacked the superstar for trying to humiliate him during the pose down. So, the natural sounding a little jealous there as we head back to the ring for Intercontinental Champion, the Hockey tonk man, Jimmy Hart, in his corner, taking on David Studemeyer. So, a quick recovery here for Studemeyer after that one man king attack on superstars, as it's a sit out clothesline and the shake, rattle, and roll neckbreaker Going to give Hockey Talk the win here, two minutes and 19 seconds. And, guys. Sad to say, the Honky Tonk Man going to be changing his theme music very soon with the Driver album about to come out, so perhaps, maybe, for the very last time here on The Grenade, let's join the Intercontinental Champion Honky Tonk Man for a little Honky Tonkin'. <coughs> going to be sad when we can't play that theme anymore but the honky-tonk man's new theme right around the corner also right around the corner another promo lined up here another soundbite with mean gene oakland standing by once again with bobby heenan and the king harley race
0: all right standing by his majesty king harley race from kansas city but first i'd like to bring out his manager from beverly hills california bobby heenan you've done a lot of things in the world wrestling federation i'm going to compliment you on that You now, all of a sudden, are are a broadcaster of sorts. Uh, You host a program or two in the World Wrestling Federation. But the one thing that you don't have with all the money, all of the prestige, all of the notoriety, the one thing you don't have right now in your stable is a champion. You don't have...
8: Let me tell you something, little man. I don't have a stable. A stable's a place with fly-infested horses. I have a family. I have a group of people that are closely knitted together. Oh, family. And the reason I do not have a champion... Is because of the prejudice of the World Wrestling Federation. It's the way the referees and the people have treated me and everybody I've managed. Bobby. It's nothing I've done.
0: Mr. Heenan, I I don't think you can continue to blame everybody else for your problems anymore. You're right. You're also involved. What does he
7: need a champion for? When he's got the king, he's got everything. This right here is symbolic of the best that there is in the world today. Above and beyond your Hogan's, above and beyond your honky-tonks, above and beyond any other man in wrestling. All you gotta do to prove me wrong is get your backside in the ring and grab a hold of the king.
8: You know, I'm thinking very seriously about putting that crown on the line. Making everybody
0: try to come and get it. Wait, just like another title? You got it. What do you think? I've held this job down for years without, without smelling something like that I'll Thank you, Bobby Heenan. Thank you, Hardy Race, the king, and thank you. We're going to be back right after this. Don't go away.
2: And Mean Gene admitting the brain has great talent in the stable, stable, but no titles on any of his men. Bobby then replying that a stable is for horses, and this is a family. Love that line from Bobby Heenan. And why need a champion when you have the king? So very odd on superstars, the king gunning for Hogan's title here on Challenge. Why do we need a champion when we have a king in the family? And Bobby Heenan teasing making the king's crown an official title here in the World Wrestling Federation. As we roll on, we saw him last week here on TV. We're going to see it again here on Challenge this time. Six-man tag team action involving Brutus, the barber beefcake, teaming up with Jacques and Raymond, the fabulous Rougeau brothers, to take on the trio of Iron Mike Sharp, Dusty Wolf, and Mario Mancini as we get an insert promo here from Dangerous Danny Davis, crapping on the referees here in the WWF for allowing all sorts of things to go on in the ring, including Brutus Beefcake cutting the hair of his opponents. And then we get to the ring for action here. Beef is starting to wear those familiar tights that we become accustomed to know him from. You know what I'm talking about, the tights filled with the holes cut in them with the uh pantyhose shit or or whatever that is as the job guys somehow manage to get Brudei into their corner, but he escapes and makes the tag out to Jacques, who comes in dropkicking all three of the opponents before Beefcake eventually tagged back in, locking in the sleeper on Mario Mancini. Gotta get the babyface trio the win here in two minutes and 41 seconds as Mario's partners take off. They get the hell out of Dodge to avoid getting their hair cut as well, so Mancini left alone in the ring with the Rujos and the barber. And as Mario begins to get his hair cut, Dangerous Danny Davis jumping into the ring to argue with the referee for allowing such shenanigans to go on, but Brutus ignoring Davis, cutting Mario's hair anyway. Very interesting because Davis running into the ring arguing with the official, but never actually getting involved with the Rujos or Beefcake here. I'm really not sure what was going on with Danny Davis at this point, and it would also appear neither does the WWF as Bruteye then spraying a purple bee on the chest of Mancini before spraying his forehead purple as well, and then waking Mancini up, allowing him to look at his new do in a mirror, and Mancini loses it, escapes out of the ring in humiliation here, as the barber does it again, and the babyface trio pick up yet another win, as we're off to another platform interview. Craig DeGeorge standing by with the men feuding with the Rujos and Brutus Beefcake, it's the new dream team, and their manager luscious Johnny V, and JV wearing a stamp-out beefcake t-shirt yet again this week. As DeGeorge points out, Bravo is the only man left in this trio who has yet to receive a haircut from the barber. Bravo then warning the Rujos to stay out of their way as Dino says they're going to break both of Beefcake's legs. Geez, why don't you just go the extra mile and shoot him up gangland style? Never mind. And then it's the hammer, Greg Valentine, stating that it'll be the figure four that puts Beefcake out for good. So the new Dream Team, yeah, they're kind of in a feud with the Rougeos, but everybody more focused on getting their hands on Brutus the Barber Beefcake at this point. is up next on Challenge, we get a replay from last week's Billy Graham and Butch Reed Pose Down segment. And then up next, it's the battle for Bam Bam yet again, but it's not a replay from Superstars with Jimmy Hart being eliminated. Instead, it's a fun, quick segment with Mr. Fuji and the Slickster arguing about who will get Bam Bam Bigelow. And it's pretty fun to see the heel managers arguing amongst one another there between Slick and Mr. Fuji in particular. As we head back to the ring, it's ravishing Rick Rude with manager Bobby the Brain Heenan taking on leaping Lanny Poffo and Heenan out here introducing Rick Rude to the crowd before the matchup. And no poem by Poffo here this week, making sure it does not overshadow Rude's challenge debut here Is Johnny V back on commentary comparing Rick Rude to Tom Selleck, his looks alone, as Rude on the mic then asks the men to keep the noise down so that he can show the ladies his ravishing body. And there it is, Rick Rude showing off his body here, as Johnny V says he's so put together he looks like he's built inside out. I actually popped, I wrote LOL here. What a silly comment by Johnny V, but I get what he was meaning. You can see every bit of the abdomens there. He looked like a frickin' master of the universe. The old He-Man toys from the 1980s. He looked like one of them, the old 32-pack that they had or something like that. Rick Rude looking great here, no doubt about it. As Johnny V says, his body looks like an upside-down triangle. Whatever that means. Then to the action, Rick Rude with a power slam and a top rope fist drop. But keeps pulling Lanny Poffo up before making the three count. And then it's the slingshot suplex. Well done again this week. Rick Rude going to pick up the win in just one minute and four seconds, and they made sure to point out not just over anyone, but he polished off Lanny Poffo in such quick fashion, so really trying to get Rick Rude over right out of the gate. As the ravishing one now here in the World Wrestling Federation, and we close out this edition of Challenge, one more promo here, Mean Gene's standing by with the macho man, Randy Savage.
0: (laughs) But as you very well know, Hulk Hogan's still the heavyweight champion of the world here in the World Wrestling Federation. Hart Foundations are our tag team champions. They're managed by the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. In addition, the Intercontinental Champion happens to be the Honky Tonk Man. He's also part of Jimmy Hart's big happy family, one big happy family. Here's a man that has got his eyes on virtually every title in the World Wrestling Federation. Some eyes on friends, some eyes on foes. Macho man Randy Savage, of course, managed by the lovely Elizabeth. And this week, once again, she is not with us i don't know what's going on macho man you not that i deserve an explanation
7: you don't deserve an explanation uh-uh. i'm uh standing here right, right here. here yeah right here. here in this spot right now in time in space yeah no time distortion here uh uh-huh. the sky's the limit for the macho man randy savage and i am not pretending yeah not to notice different people with their opinions yeah like yourself me and ogreland uh-huh. uh-huh
0: you know Huh? you know yeah. randy savage macho man one question as I travel around the country, and as you know I travel extensively, people are asking me, because they don't see Elizabeth out here from time to time, and it look, looks to me like you're, you're getting along okay. She is your manager, but perhaps Elizabeth of the opinion, and you could address this any way you want, that the macho man without a title probably is not exactly what, what she's got in mind.
7: Unbelievable.
0: But yeah. I'd even you could
7: even just, uh, yeah, look at me like that and uh, not uh, even quiver. Right there, yeah. But the inevitable will happen, Mean Gene Oakland Take all your money and bet on the macho man, Randy Savage, because, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Bang Bang! Yeah, I am gonna be the new World Heavyweight Champion. You call that a title right there? Is that prestigious enough? Oh, is huh? that a the title? The top of the mountain! Wouldn't that be something? I'm standing here with the gold, yeah? Uh, huh? would you be asking me questions like that? No, you wouldn't, would you? Uh, you,
0: you know, I, I should point out, you want the heavyweight title of the world. It's currently held by Hulk Hogan. And they've thrown the biggest and the best at them in the past. I could go down the list. You know who they are. But still, after three and a half years, Hulk Hogan stands tall as the heavyweight champion of the world.
7: Hulk Hogan would have went on and on and on and on for 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. If. The Macho Man Randy Savage wouldn't have been alive at this particular time, yeah. The World Wrestling Federation, yeah, is in the palm of my hand! Elizabeth realizes that too, Yes, yeah, she does, yeah. She realizes that I am the gold. And you, Hulk Hogan, inevitably are gonna fall to the greatest wrestler of all time, past, present, and future. 20 million light years into the future! The Macho Man Randy Savage, yeah, the new World Heavyweight Champion verifying Elizabeth,
0: it. All right, I thank you, Macho Man. Oh, by the way, how's Elizabeth's tennis game going? Angel something. Don't talk to me. Oh, well, thank you.
2: And Mean Gene, and he has been for months now, obsessed with Miss Elizabeth never being here anymore. She sort of moved away from these promos with Savage right around WrestleMania three time and never to return, at least not at this point. Mean Gene wondering if Macho being without a title is the reason we no longer see the lovely Elizabeth Wow, Gene, you got to be careful there with the comments you make. As Macho Man says, he is next in line. He will be the next WWF champion. Macho Domus over here, guys. Savage stating that the Hulkster will fall to Macho Madness. Then we close out the segment once again. Another inside joke here. I don't know really know what they're referencing, but Mean Gene continuing to talk about Elizabeth's tennis game. Not really sure what that's in reference to. But that'll close out this week's edition of Challenge as we move on to primetime wrestling for August the 10th here in 1987. here we are, primetime wrestling yet again, August the 10th, hosted by Gorilla Monsoon Bobby the Brain Heenan, and we move right into the intro, Gorilla Monsoon having some fun at the expense of the Brain.
10: What a lineup this week. Great, yes. because King Kong Bundy's not on it. Neither is Mr. Wonderful. No.
8: Neither, neither is the,
10: Neither is the King.
8: Neither are the Islanders. Neither
10: are the Islanders. Neither is Andre the Giant. That's correct. Neither is Ravishing Rick Rude. No That's right. He. Neither is What what are you doing? What are you doing with all these guys leading them all astray? We're dealing with some superstars, in fact, including the macho man, Randy Savage, the natural, Butch Reed. The Slickster is doing very well for himself. Yeah, he seems to be doing all right. Well, talk about guys doing well for themselves. How about the mouth, the colonel? He's got the Intercontinental Champion and the Honky Tonk Man. He's got the Hart Foundation, the reigning Tag Team Champions of the World. Both of those titles in his stable. What do you got? Nada. He's starting right off. Oh, well, I'm right. just pointing some things out to you. Tito Santana is going to join us. Uh, the Jumping Bomb Angels, that sensational yeah. ladies team out of Japan, is going to be with us as well. And, of course, our feature, the Hart Foundation against the British Bulldogs. I'd like to see uh title change hands. I would, too. I'd like to see the Islanders have it. Well, the Islanders, uh, obviously, uh, the World Wrestling Federation Championship Committee has not seen fit to deem them number one challenger well, the championship- for one reason or another.
8: Well, I can tell you in a second the exact reason why they won't do it. Go ahead. Explain it to us why they won't do it. Jack Tunney. While the-
10: he's thinking about that, we'll take it to our opening match with the macho
2: man, Randy Savage. And there it is. Gorilla having some fun with Bobby Heenan. None of his family in action here this week. At least not at this point. Meanwhile, the other managers doing well for themselves in the World Wrestling Federation. So Gorilla giving it to Bobby here as we roll on with the show. During the program, a primetime wrestling exclusive taped back July 16th, Lake Placid New York Olympic Center, it's women's tag team champions Leilani Kai, Judy Martin, defeating the Glamour Girls in about 10 minutes and 33 seconds, Leilani Kai pinning Itsuki Yamazaki, following a powerbomb by Judy Martin. And are you ready for this? The commentators here for that matchup, Craig DeGeorge and Leaping Lanny Poffo. We'll have more about these weird commentating teams before the end of this episode of The Grenade, I promise you. But uh, there it is. It's the Glamour Girls over... It's the future Glamour Girls, I should say, over the jumping Bomb Angels here this week. But we know these two teams are not done with each other. Looking forward to more from both sides when the Bomb Angels return here in just a couple months. And then coming out of that ladies' tag team match, to no surprise, Bobby Heenan has some comments about the ladies in the matchup.
10: Well... The gold will not be going
8: to Nagoya. You know, it's funny, because before this match, I ran into Judy Martin and her partner in the hall, and I thought they were going out to get a drink. When you going out Well, there? I said, what are you guys going to do now? They said, well, we're going to get ourselves a little nip. Please, give me a break. Well, I could be wrong, you know.
10: Yeah, you could be wrong. Did you hear Leipin' Lani Papo said that uh, Leilani Kai had the wrists of a
8: truck driver? Well, he should know. Yeah. He- but that's his business.
2: And Bobby Heenan stating that he talked to the champions after the match he presumed the ladies were going to celebrate post-match with a drink because they talked about getting a little nip. I'm not sure if that was a lesbian joke or just a typical Bobby Heenan line in general. Either way, I had a little chuckle. As we go on, more sound bites here on this week's edition of Primetime. As up next, Bobby Heenan made a few calls, maybe did a little bribing as well, to get one of his Heenan family members here on TV this week, and it works, though it's not the one he wanted. He then claims he had tried to talk someone into replaying the matchup from last week with ravishing Rick Rude over Jerry Allen, but instead, Gorilla Monsoon informing him it's a different match.
10: I, I can't believe it. I, what? You arrange for this upcoming... You know what we're going to see now? Well, knowing what's going on in the back, probably nothing. But no, um, we're going to see Rick Rude... Ravishing recruiting? No, no, we're not. We're going to see Hercules Hernandez in Madison Square Garden against Billy Jack Haynes. No, no, I talked to the
8: short guy with the beard, the little guy, the little runt back there. He told me he's going to put on Ravishing Rick Rude.
10: This is the one where Herc gets his clock clean. No, no, we're not seeing that. we are. Don't wrap me up. Let's go to Madison Square Garden right now as we join in progress. Compliments of this gentleman. Hey, fuzz face. This man. Talk about torture chambers in Madison Square Garden. Hercules Hernandez really battling it out with Billy Jack (laughs) Haynes. So I would say he's ahead in points. What would you know about points? Easy. i bet on an egg once at uh, Aqueduct. Please, and, give me a break, brain. We'll be back with the exciting conclusion in just her. a moment. I can't believe it. Tell, tell him what you told me off the air about the horse that you bet at Aqueduct. Old soup bone? Yeah, he went off at 20 to 1 and came in at 3.30. Oh, no, closer to 4. Closer to 4. Let's go back to Madison Square Garden ringside. He had a 240-pound jockey on him. That's Please. That's good. Draw. I told Why? you he wouldn't uh, like it. What, it kind of money, me. what kind of money did you spread around in there? Couple
8: $2 bills? No, but I'll have. uh, Those guys will not be here next week. Which guys? Those uh, two. uh, Two bearded wonders? Yeah, the Smith brothers (laughs) in the back room there.
10: They'll be gone. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we will, in fact, uh, next week get a chance to take a look at the. uh, (laughs) Wouldn't hurt to get a whole new crew if you really think about it. The hamburger king. The hamburger king? King Kong Bundy. Fast food king, isn't he? The fast food king. Isn't that his title? No, it isn't. He's King Kong Bundy. Oh. Only goes to nothing but the finest restaurants. Yeah, McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King.
2: So Bobby Heenan thought he got one over on Gorilla on the WWF production staff, somehow squeezed one of his Heenan family members in action here this week on TV, but it wasn't the match he wanted. It wasn't rude over Jerry Allen. Instead, it was the mighty Hercules taking on Billy Jack Haynes, a match that ends in a draw. And Bobby Heenan promises the people in the production studio that chose this match won't be working here next week. As I have one more sound clip lined up for you here this week on this edition of Primetime Wrestling, it's the outro. We're ending this week's episode, Bobby the Brain Heenan bribing Gorilla Monsoon to admit the brain is the host of Primetime Wrestling.
10: Okay, admit I'm host. What for? You're not. Oh, you saw what happened when you went back to control room? Nothing. You know what I was dealing with back there? Yeah, Nothing. I know who you were dealing with Well, folks, that wraps it up for another week here on Prime Time. I've certainly had a good time. I'm sure you have, too. Uh, I don't know how good a time you had. Well, I'm the host. You can admit it. Why should I admit it? You got a price. What would it make you say I'm the host? You don't don't have that kind of money, Brian. I'm going to show you something. A little trick Mr. DiBiase showed me, the million-dollar man. Be my guest. Go ahead. Is this going to take very long? No, it won't take long at all. We're wrapping up here. I want to thank the directors for doing a tremendous job today. For $100? For $100 for what? You admit I'm a host? For $100? Yeah. Is it a legitimate $100 bill? Sure. Sure. You're the host.
2: <laughs>
8: told you. I lied. What do you mean you lied? Well, I just told a well, the small Well, give me my 100 bucks true. back.
10: No, I could take some to dinner. See you all next week. Oh, wait a minute. That's my 100 bucks. you just beat me out of.
6: it.
2: So you admitted to everybody. Now you're a liar. Give me my 100 bucks. <laughs> so Bobby Heenan offering the gorilla $100 to admit that Bobby Heenan is indeed the host of Primetime Wrestling, Gorilla taking the money. He's no fool. He admits, yes, indeed, Brain, you are the host of Primetime Wrestling. Heenan's satisfied for just a moment before Gorilla says, I lied. Well, it wasn't really a lie, was it, Gorilla? Maybe a little white lie, but nevertheless, Gorilla Monsoon getting one over on Bobby Heenan, refusing to give back his $100 bill. His Primetime Wrestling comes to a conclusion here this week, and we roll on to the following week, August 15th. It's another edition of Superstars of Wrestling at a brand new set of tapings here. On August the 4th, Madison, Wisconsin, at the Dane County Coliseum, Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno Sammartino, on commentary here, as we are immediately taken to video footage of a limo pulling up in front of the building when out steps Virgil, who opens the back door of the limo to reveal the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. He has arrived here, and will make his in-ring debut here before this edition of Superstars is over. DiBiase stepping out of the limo and escorted into the building by the Federettes of the World Wrestling Federation. The Million Dollar Man has arrived. And also now, we get a new opening look for the pictures showing us what's on deck for this week's edition of Superstars. They've moved away from those pictures with the old cursive name signatures and into the more familiar yellow block lettering. I know it's something small, but for those curious, this is when it happens. As we head off to the ring for the Macho Man, Randy Savage, along with the lovely Elizabeth in his corner. Savage this week going to take on Steve Lombardi. As Jesse making a big deal about it this week? Savage apparently letting Miss Elizabeth walk in front of him to the ring for the matchup. Jesse Ventura wants to know, what is going on here? Ventura thinking maybe Savage going a little soft because it's usually Elizabeth walking behind the Macho Man. And of course, Vince McMahon, the perv, suggesting that Elizabeth, she looks good on both sides, Jess. As we get an insert promo from Miss Elizabeth here, she says she's not involved in the battle for Bam Bam because while he's likely a great wrestler, he's not the hottest property in the WWF, that being the Macho Man. And as the match gets going, Steve Lombardi playing the aggressor here, flinging the Macho Man for a nasty bump over the top rope and out to the floor. The Savage grabbing Lombardi by his ankle, yanking him to the outside, slamming Lombardi down on the floor, and then Macho going up to the top rope, double axe handle off the top to the outside, then back in the ring for the flying elbow. Gonna get the Macho Man the win, 2 minutes and 38 seconds. So, a couple of subtleties here, but it's clearly happening, guys. A good guy Macho Man on the way. Too cool for school,
7: yeah, like it, aha!
2: Macho Man doing his thing is up next another update this week with craig DeGeorge. this time going to talk about the recent mishaps of the one-man gang in the ring remember it was last week the gang laying out three job guys as well as one of the wwf officials with his gourd buster finisher and here this week we've got this soundbite lined up to find out what the president of the wwf mr jack tunney is going to do with the one-man gang hello everyone
3: the massive one-man gang is in the spotlight this week and I guess you might joke it's kind of hard to miss him. I mean, the guy's 400 pounds. We don't need binoculars with this fellow. Now, the gang made his presence felt last week in a costly way. He decided to drop anyone, and I mean anyone who entered the ring with that punishing front suplex of his.
11: We've already, he's already done Whoa. It. Ooh, No! Come on! Wait a minute! The referee's gonna get one, too! I don't think anybody got the guts to get in that ring. Why don't you run down there, Bruno? Oh, no, look at the way he folded up that guy.
10: Oh, bye. now he's going to get Dusty Wolf and do the same thing to him.
11: Look at this. I love it. He's
10: beaten
3: three guys and a referee. Well, if the gang wanted attention, he has it now, but not at a cheap price. WWF President Jack Tunney made that quite clear. After reviewing the footage of last week and the one-man gang's total disregard
11: of the WWF officials in the ring, I've informed the one-man gang that he's been fined $10,000 and been put on a probationary period of 30 days, and if in the future anything such as this goes on, more severe steps will be
6: taken.
3: Mmm, some stiff numbers. You wonder if the gang has been hanging out with the million-dollar man lately, not afraid to cough up the dough for his actions. But as you heard, Tony will not hesitate to levy a suspension. Now, the doctor of style, who I'm sure has a major role in this whole thing, well, he made a few of his usual brash comments.
6: Yo! Who does this man think he is? Ten thousand
3: dollars? Yo, that's a lot of money! Especially for a first offense. Hey, and everybody knows you ought to be able to get away with anything the first time. <laughs> Well, do you want to threaten this man, dude? Well, let me tell you something. He's the most threatening individual
12: in the ring today, Jack.
3: Well, Slick and the gang look as if they have big plans. And with the growing list of X's in the wind column, no doubt about it, this 400-pound monster could be a candidate for major title contention. With Update, I'm Craig DeGeorge.
2: So there it is, Jack Tunney finding the gang $10,000 and putting him on 30 days of probation here. And if this ever were to happen again, Tunney says that stiffer penalties will be presented. Then on the other end, we are hear from the doctor of style and the gang, and they don't even seem affected by the threats of the WWF president or the $10,000 fine, because the gang means business, and obviously he's on his way to WWF title matches in the next several weeks and months here on the house show. So you got to have that badass heel here in the gang, Last week, he lays a bunch of people out, including a referee, and this week, shrugging off the fine, the probation. Do whatever you're going to do to me, Jack Tunney. Not going to phase me one bit. So a cool way to play up the gang character here. As we move on, we get another VTR promo from Mike Kaplan this week. Who is Mike Kaplan, you may ask? Why, he's the director of a and Epic Records. Kaplan going to talk to us about the brand new WWF wrestling album. There's a new record coming out titled Pile Driver, Hulk Hogan on the cover in a hard hat. Walking in, Kaplan wondered which song on the album may be a potential hit. But once they got done making it, he says there's six or seven potential major hits here on the Pile Driver album. I think that's stretching it a little, Mr. Kaplan. And don't worry, guys, plenty more on the Pile Driver album to come here throughout the remainder of 1987 as we roll on back to the ring. Women's champion Sherry Martell. Slated to take on Angie Manelli. of course, we know back in July, Sherry capturing the title from the fabulous Mula in Houston, and here she is, her first matchup here on WWF-TV. The Fink introduces the new champion as Sherry Martell, who grabs the microphone and corrects him immediately. From this day forward, she will simply be known as the Sensational Sherry. And of course, as we talked about last week, they erased the name Martell simply because they didn't want two Martells. In the same company and confusing the fans as they are not related. Which is a good thing because I'd be really worried about that love interest angle in 1992. But as the action gets going, Jesse Ventura on commentary says he likes the confidence of Sherry Martel. I'm sorry, the sensational Sherry as she mauls Angie Manelli here. Vince McMahon then loves the ladies division so much that he randomly throws us to French commentary for just a moment here in the matchup. We see Frenchie Martin on French commentary, because of course. And then back to the American commentary team is Angie Manelli coming back with a monkey flip and a drop kick, but Sherry right back on top of the suplex. And then it's a splash off the top rope, going to give the sensational Sherry the win in two minutes and 32 seconds. As we're off to Mean Gene Oakland standing by this week, the mouth of the South Jimmy Hart and dangerous Danny Davis.
0: All right, we're off and running once again. I've got to bring in this man. He's on a roll right now. The World Wrestling Federation, come on in from Memphis, Tennessee. The mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, (laughs) a.k.a. Colonel Jimmy Hart. And uh, I noticed a lot of people around the country calling you a a number, a a variation of different names.
4: Hey, watch. I know what you're trying to say. I want you to spit it right out there. You know, you're jealous. You're like everybody else in the WWF. You're jealous of Jimmy Hart, aren't you? You're like all the managers are jealous of me. All the other wrestlers are jealous of the Hart Foundation, dangerous Danny Davis, and of most of all, the honky-tonk
0: man, aren't you? Well, I I, I will Watch give you... Watch what you th- say.
4: Look who's behind you. Yes, but those. I will <laughs> give you this. You do,
0: right now, manage the Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man, and the Tag Team Champions, the Hart Foundation. Yes, and also, right now, a man whose career Wait. seems to me to be in limbo, dangerous Danny Davis. What do you mean? Oh, you did I, I strike a, a bad chord there? What do you mean, in limbo? Yeah,
10: what do you mean? Exactly
0: in what do you mean? Well, in limbo, it kind of just is standing still. Excuse the expression.
13: We have done it. Jimmy Hart and myself, along with a hot foundation, has taken a simple man, a referee, and brought him to the greatest wrestling in the world, the World Wrestling Federation, and
0: made him a winner.
14: I have defeated opponent after opponent after
13: opponent.
0: Well, you've had a setback or two. Am I saying something wrong here? You sure
13: are. I'm going there. to
0: ignore that. Well, I beg your pardon. I'm just going to
13: ignore you, and Jimmy and I are going to enlighten
0: you on a few other
13: facts about baby. Dangerous Tell
8: Danny him. Davis. Tell
13: <laughs> dangerous Danny Davis is on his way up. And all you wrestlers out there, and anybody who wants a shot at Dangerous Danny Davis, put your name down on the dotted line.
8: Because I'm ready for anybody. Just ask Jimmy.
4: Just remember one thing, Mean Gene. What's that? When you guys out there mess with a bull, you just might get the horn. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on, Danny. Let's go.
0: Boy, I hate to use the old expression, but I think I'm getting a headache. Stay tuned more of The Superstars of Wrestling continues after this.
2: So Mean Gene addressing the situation. Jimmy Hart, you've been on a roll. You now manage the tag team and Intercontinental Champions. But Danny Davis, you seem to be in limbo. And I'll have to agree, I'm not really sure where Davis is going right now. Kind of feuding with Mr. T? There'll be seeds planted for something with Jake? We know he's had issues with George Steele in recent months as well. And then, of course, he seems to have plenty of issues with the other referees here in the World Wrestling Federation. So who knows what Danny Davis is doing right now? I don't even think Vince McMahon knows. And it's really unfortunate because Davis had all of that heel heat leading into and coming out of WrestleMania three, And now here we are heading into the fall, and Danny Davis really no direction. But for the moment, at least he's still managed by Jimmy Hart, so he's got that at least. Is up next, we're off to a vignette with the Honky Tonk Man. He's at the Pyramid Club. Some sort of bar somewhere, as he's gonna sing his new hit song for the Pile Driver album. Honky Tonk Man called up on the stage as it's stated that we're coming into the anniversary of the passing of one Elvis Presley. The Honky Tonk Man says if Elvis were still alive today, he couldn't keep up with the Honky Tonk Man. Honky then bashing Hulk Hogan for being on the cover of the Pile Driver album when naturally it should have been the Honky Tonk Man all along. And then we get ready, guys. It's time, Honky Tonk Man getting ready to sing his brand new song, his brand new cut on the Pile Driver album, but there appears to be some sort of an issue with the tape, and we cut away just as he's ready to sing, so I guess we'll have to wait for the album to be released. As we head back to the ring, more action. Jake the Snake Roberts here this week taking on Dave Wagner, and we get an insert promo from Dangerous Danny Davis here again. He says, things are getting out of hand here in the World Wrestling Federation. Jake the Snake bringing snakes to the ring? That would have never happened when Davis wasn't official, even though it did, for about 10 months. But Dangerous Danny putting his own spin on things there, Davis questioning all of the official decisions going on right now in the WWF as it is the DDT by the Snake Man. Gonna give Jake the win here in 2 minutes and 36 seconds, and then it's back to Mean Gene once again, this time standing by with one half of the former tag team of Orton in Morocco. Here's the cowboy, Bob Orton. All right,
0: something happened here over the past couple of weeks, and I I saw this thing actually kind of growing. There's dissension, obviously dissension in the ranks between the Magnificent Morocco and my guest at this time from Kansas City. Come on in. Ace Cowboy Bob Orton. I don't know, maybe we should have an explanation. What in the world happened to you and Don?
1: No appreciation. Don Morocco does not appreciate the fact that I pulled him right out of the gutter, so to speak, the man's career was going down the drain. I almost had to hand-feed him, spoon-feed him, get him back, and then all of a sudden, that magnificent Morocco, the ego, took over again, see? So Don Morocco has got an ego problem. He claims to have seen the light, Gene. Mm-hmm. But the light can blind you if you look at it too long, you understand? That's true. The light can be too much for you, Don Morocco. I'm too much for you, Don Morocco. I'm the man when your career was on the blink, it was about ready to self-destruct, brought you back from almost a dead man, treated you like a brother, took care of you, and look what I get and repay. You've seen what he tried to do. He tried to embarrass me on television because of that ego of his. He tried to suplex off the top rope... Su- Santana, I believe it was. I can't even remember. I'm so messed up with this whole thing. You know, when you put so much into a man, when you try to help a man so much, and he turns around and bites you on the ankle, like Tom Rocco did me, it hurts. It hurts deep down inside. Gene. You you
0: never made a mistake in your...
1: I've never made a mistake in my life, as sure as I'm standing here in my town right
0: now. All right, I just wanted to ask the question. I thank you. Ace Cowboy Bob Orton, one of the premier superstars of the World Wrestling Federation...
2: So it's pretty obvious by this point. There is clearly dissension between Orton and Morocco. Orton stating that Morocco simply had no appreciation for Bob, who pulled Morocco out of the gutter and brought him back to the spotlight. It's time Orton put Morocco in his place, and thus the feud is on. A tag team no more, as the magnificent Morocco clearly going to be making that babyface turn here any day now. And up next, the battle for Bam Bam continues. Jesse Ventura standing by this week with luscious Johnny V and the body informing JV that he too has been eliminated from the battle for Bam Bam Bigelow. Was there ever any doubt? And well, guys with two managers out of the way and Elizabeth stating right there on TV that she has no interest in managing Bam Bam Bigelow, well that just leaves the Doctor of Style Slick, Mr. Fuji, and Bobby the Brain Heenan on the short list that we see here on TV. So as of right now, we're down to three managers in the running in the battle for Bam Bam as is back to the ring for the new Dream Team, taking on the team of Sonny Rogers and Brady Boone. No Johnny V here, initially in the corner, as he's still likely backstage licking the wounds from the news of Jesse Ventura telling him he's eliminated for the battle for Bam Bam Bigelow. But as the match gets going, Johnny V does finally show up at ringside, and boy is he upset. As Brady Boone gets Dino Bravo in the corner, back flipping off his chest, and then rushes back in, leaping up for a monkey flip, but Bravo countering into a wicked-looking inverted atomic drop, driving Boone down to the mat. And now it's a shot of the Spanish-announced team. We saw the French team earlier with Frenchy Martin out there doing guest commentary. Now we see Tito Santana joining in here on the Spanish-announced team as well this week. And you guys may be asking, what the hell is going on here? Well. I promise you guys, before this edition of Superstars is over, this will all make sense. And as the action goes on, Brady Boone getting in that double backflip into a dropkick, but then tagging out to Sonny Rogers, who comes in and immediately misses his own dropkick on the hammer, Greg Valentine. Bravo then in with a nice back suplex, and then the side suplex as well, driving Rogers down to the mat. Valentine tagging back in, dropping the big hammer, the big elbow drop, before locking in the figure four. And it's the new Dream Team scoring the win here, three minutes and two seconds, as the crowd goes mild. Safe to say the new Dream Team experiment almost all but over here. As we're off to another special interview conducted by Craig DeGeorge up on the staging platform, this week it's with Bobby the Brain Heenan and Ravishing Rick Rude. And Heenan putting over Rude's physique here as the greatest in wrestling history and states that the Ravishing One was welcomed with open arms by the entire Heenan family. Meanwhile, Craig George mentioning that there was one member missing from that welcoming committee, that being Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, the same Mr. Wonderful who has fired Bobby Heenan in the past. Is Bobby Heenan once again no longer associated with Mr. Wonderful? The brain refuting such a thing, stating that Paul has been busy and on vacation, but Heenan promising to have Orndorff here next week and that Mr. Wonderful will gladly admit to the world that it is Rick Rude who has the greatest physique in the World Wrestling Federation, in all professional wrestling. And I wrote, well, it's a little abrupt, but I guess it needed to be done, since the gimmick's so similar, Orndorff and Rick Rude. And Mr. Wonderful going to admit that ravishing Rick Rude has the better body? Spoiler alert, guys. Happen not gonna. Bobby Heenan promising to present Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff to the crowd and then have Mr. Wonderful himself declare Ravishing Rick Rude the better body. Can't wait to see what comes out of that as we roll on back to the ring. Singles action this week for Rick Martell. No more Can-Am connection here. Tom Zink gone. Rick Martell going one-on-one with Barry Horowitz. As we see an insert promo from Bobby Heenan and the Islanders, they threaten to put Martell out of wrestling for good. A lot of that going on right now. As the match gets going, Martell cartwheeling around a Horowitz attack. We wind up with some fun back-and-forth action between the two before Barry whipping Rick into the corner, and it's a Martell reverse crossbody off the middle rope. Gonna get the win here, 2 minutes and 27 seconds. Fun little TV match by Martell. But post-match, it's the Islanders to the ring, surrounding Martell, and then attacking Haku and Tama. From opposite ends, Martell never stood a chance. And the Islanders looking to put Martell out permanently here, beating him down to the mat, went out of nowhere. From the Spanish commentary table comes... Arriba! Tito Santana out to the ring. Tito rushes in the ring in his suit clothes and cleans house. Haku and Tama Bale as Santana making the save and aiding Rick Martel. Helping him up and walking him back to the locker room. And Rick Martel looking super appreciative of Tito Santana coming to his rescue here. And thus, guys, if you don't know by now, you have witnessed the beginning of Strike Force. So sorry to say, Hillbilly Jim, you'll have to find a new token partner. Tito Santana going on to bigger and better things. But funny story too here, Tito Santana said that Vince's original idea for the team name was not strike force, but rather Border Patrol. Of course, Martel being from Canada, Tito being from Mexico. I mean, maybe they could have been the Mexicans, right? But the Border Patrol, Tito had to explain to Vince McMahon what exactly the Border Patrol was, and what was going on at the time, and still to this day, lots of issues with the Mexicans crossing the border into the United States, amongst other things going on down there as well. So, needless to say, Strike Force was born, Tito Santana and Rick Martel going to form an alliance here, we'll see very shortly, and take on the team of the Islanders. Up next here on TV, it's off to the music man himself, also one of the WWF announcers for many of the past Philly Spectrum shows. I'm talking about Cal Rudman here and Killer Cal putting over the Pile Driver music album. And as the show goes on, we get a promo from the British Bulldogs, and we haven't seen much of them lately as the WWF finally sending Dynamite Kid home to try and heal up from his back injuries all the way back last December. How kind of you, Vince McMahon. And here it is, guys, for weeks now. The Bulldogs have been telling us they've been swearing that Matilda can talk. We'll wait no longer. The proof is in the pudding. And right here, right now, here's a bit of advice from the mouth of Matilda the Bulldog.
3: For all you people out there who don't believe that Matilda can talk, people on the front row of the wrestling have heard Matilda give the
6: British Bulldogs advice. That's right, Matilda does talk, she gives the Bulldogs advice, and for all you doubting Thomas is out there, Matilda's going to demonstrate right now just what she can do.
2: Headbutt dynamite.
6: We told you she gives us advice. That's right, and Matilda
8: bloody proved it.
2: What could the Bulldogs potentially use to defeat their opponents? Headbutt dynamite. Headbutt dynamite. Just ridiculous. And the less said about that, the better. So we will move on to the final match of the program, which just happens to be the WWF debut of the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Bodyguard Virgil in his corner going to take on Jerry Allen here. And on his way to the ring, Ted DiBiase tossing some money out at the feet of the fans, making them get down to pick it up, telling them to get down on their knees and beg him for the money. So DiBiase doing his best to get the heel heat, though I'm not sure how many boos you're going to get, whether you toss the money to the floor or simply hand it to him. Either way, you're still giving him money. I mean, that's a pretty good guy in my book. And as the action gets going, DiBiase laying the moves in snug, falling fist drop, always loved that move. Looks really aggressive and smooth in the ring here as a heel. Jerry Allen, though, ducking a chop, coming back with a crossbody for a surprise two-count on the Million Dollar Man, but that doesn't last long. DiBiase back on top with a hot shot across the top rope, and then locks in the Million Dollar Dream months before it gets that name. Here it's the Cobra Clutch, and DiBiase turning it into a Russian leg sweep. Million Dollar Man going to score the pinfall win one minute and 52 seconds, so a Cobra Clutch future Million Dollar Dream, turns it into a Russian leg sweep, never releases the hole, just drops him back with a leg sweep at the same time, and the Million Dollar Man scoring the pin. And surprisingly, even after the awesome vignettes, we get little reaction here of any kind for Ted DiBiase. and the WWF, they don't even bother to sweeten the sound here on the crowd, so little crowd reaction for the debut match here by the Million Dollar Man, the fans still trying to figure him out, I guess. And we all know that'll change over time. He's going to get very over as a heel in very quick fashion, but it's just really interesting to see that DiBiase, he didn't debut to any type of real heat. But as the vignettes continue, as the promos continue, we're going to start seeing those fan interaction promos really soon with the lady barking like a dog, the basketball dribbling with the little kid. Those are really going to play pivotal parts into getting DiBiase more over as a heel. And not to mention, like I said, great promos and great in-ring work. The total package was Ted DiBiase. As we have one more promo here this week on Superstars, we're going to close out this edition. We're going to hear from the mighty Hercules, standing by with Mean Gene.
0: All right, there's so much happening to so many different individuals in the World Wrestling Federation. I've got to take time out right now to talk to this man from Tampa, Florida. And I must say, in all due respect, Hercules, you have fared very well under the tutorship or mentorship, oh, yeah. or leadership, if you will, of Bobby the Brain Heenan, oh, yeah. and right now, virtually every title in the World Wrestling Federation <laughs> is at uh, at your grasp. Yeah, it may oh, be a yeah. short reach, as a matter of fact.
14: <laughs> it's not that far away, is it, Gene Oakland? Everybody knows that the mighty Hercules has a legend, legacy, and a destiny and it will come true hulk hogan ken pateras the billy jacks you've seen it over and over again i've been in every major battle the wwf has had i've been right in the middle of it and come out with my hand raised in victory every time isn't that right jane
0: well now wait a minute if that were the case you would indeed be the heavyweight champion of the world you would be the intercontinental title you would be one half of the tag team champions but that for some strange reason, has been quite elusive for you. You
14: know, Gene Oakland, you don't have to have a belt around your waist to be a champion. Everybody out there knows, and you know it too, deep down in your heart, Gene Oakland, you know it that I am the champion, and I have always been the champion. Down through the ages and back through the centuries, the mighty Hercules has always been a champion, always a winner, always the victor.
0: You have been talking to Bobby Heenan. Obviously, he's been spending some time with you.
14: You know, Bobby Heenan, you know, some people have forgotten what Bobby Heenan can do, and what Bobby Heenan does for his men. Now, Bobby Heenan affords me a good living, and that's why I'm here, and that's why I'm fighting, and uh, people like Ken Patera, Billy Jack Haynes, Honk Hogan. (laughs) They just better look out, cause I'm getting bigger. I'm getting stronger every day, and my powers become mightier and mightier as time goes on.
0: You know, you say you've been getting bigger and stronger, Hercules, I'll give you that. It looks to me like you put on an extra pound or two, and perhaps a little bit in the muscle department. Working out every day, Gino. What are you doing?
14: Working out every day. (laughs) Running, lifting, fighting, kicking, anything I have to do.
0: All right, very good. I thank you from Tampa, Florida. He is certainly one of the great ones in the ranks of the world.
14: Can't you see it? (laughs) I
0: told you I could see it. I thank you. He is the mighty Hercules. He is a member of the Bobby Heenan family. And he's got to be one of the top contenders, as I said before, for virtually every title.
2: So Gene putting Hercules over there, every title should be at his grasp. As Hercules, he says he's battled them all, from Hogan to Haynes to Batera, and he's been victorious in every matchup. Gene then pointing out that that can't be true, because then he'd have all the titles in the WWF, and right now, Hercules doesn't have a one. Hercules replying that belt or no belt, he's always been a champion. And Hercules, looking bigger and more jacked than ever here. In the summer of 87, as we close out this edition of superstars. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I thought this was going to be a slow period for the WWF, but obviously not. We've got a lot going on with the Piledriver album, Reed versus Graham, One Man Gang getting fined, Ted DiBiase makes his debut, Randy Savage slowly turning face, Rick Rude debuting, Orndorff turn coming soon, the battle for Bam Bam eliminations have begun, Rick Martel finding himself a new partner in Santana. Yeah, lots going on here. In the summer of 1987, as we roll on August the 16th, and Wrestling Challenge, also a new set of tapings. This one taped August the 5th, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, at the Lacrosse Center. Bobby the Brain, Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon on commentary. As we see Superstar Graham in the ring, coming out to Jesus Christ Superstar, taking on Barry Horowitz. And right away, it's an insert promo from the Natural Butch Reed and the Slickster. The Natural proud of his attack on the Superstar from last week. As this match, all Barry Horowitz here bumping for Superstar Graham all around the ring. Graham can barely move, and it's pretty noticeable. Hard to hide Billy Graham having issues walking around, at least without a limp. But the Superstar going to finish it up here with a backdrop, and the bear hug going to get the submission win over Barry Horowitz in 1 minute and 40 seconds. As the action rolls on, the one-man gang out here, remember he's on probation, guys, so he behaves this week, going to get the quick win with the gourd buster over Billy Bowman, in just two minutes and 52 seconds of action. So the gang continues to dominate as he readies himself for matches against the WWF champion Hulk Hogan. As we move on, Mean Gene Oakland standing by, another promo lined up this time with one Jake the Snake Roberts. He's back from suspension.
0: All right, here we go again. Jake the Snake Roberts, come on in. Jake Roberts, one of the premier superstars in the World Wrestling Federation, Stone Mountain, Georgia. Jake Roberts, certainly recently you have experienced your share of physical problems in the World Wrestling Federation. You took you took a tremendous shot to the, to the back of the head here, what, about five and a half months ago? These great folks have seen that, I'm certain, in the past. But also, you had subsequent neck and back surgery, did you not?
13: Well, this is part of it, though. You know, you can't play with fire and not expect to get burned every now and then. And when you step into the ring against the athletes that they have in this federation... You're talking about getting burnt, man. You can get stung real quick, especially if you're playing with somebody...
0: Like, uh, the honky-tonk man? H.T. himself. I I just (laughs) wanted to throw a name out. I thought I'd make it his.
13: Front-page news I hear all around the country because he's the intercontinental champion. Well, you know, trying to catch up with you is like trying to catch a feather in the wind, my man. I mean, you're not an easy thing to find. I'm an easy man to find. If you want something, all you got to do is step right up in my face, tell me what you want, and sometimes I'll give you even a little bit more than you want. But with Honky Tonk, you know, locking a guy up like me for five and a half months, slapping my wrist and telling me to sit in a corner and wait, that's rough. Because it starts stirring inside. And when I start stirring, it's like a volcano building.
0: You know, all of that perhaps would be worth it if you reflect back on it, if you were to be the intercontinental champion of the world. I'm not
13: an easily satisfied man. You know that. It takes a lot to make me happy. And taking that title would mean a lot for a lot of people. But the most important thing to me, the biggest goal I have, is to take you, Honky Tonk, and share some of the abuse that you've given me. And I will.
0: <laughs> I suspect you will, Jake <laughs> you know Roberts. Oh, I will. From Stone Martin, Georgia, Jake the Snake Roberts, one of the greats here in the World Wrestling Federation.
2: And there it is, meaning talking Jake's recent back and neck injuries and his subsequent surgery, which I'm pretty sure he refused to have. Jake then talking about his recent feud with the honky-tonk man. So here in this promo, they play up the most recent feud for Jake Roberts, but honky already moving on, moving away from that, as we'll see here any week now. And Roberts, he has to start from scratch after his time off from all the injuries and his suspension. But as we'll find out, they're not going to keep Jake down for too long. As we move on with the show, the Birdman, Coco Beware, taking on Brian Costello. And Coco looking good in there as always. Quick and fun stuff by the Birdman per the usage, Lots of hard-selling here on commentary by the Gorilla that Coco singing the feature song on the new Pile Driver music album. Can't wait to hear that one. Fairly lengthy squash match here by the Birdman before the missile drop kick right to the face of poor Brian Costello and the Ghostbuster. Gonna get the win here in three minutes and 22 seconds. As we move on, we got Mean Gene lined up. Another promo here with the sensational Sherry. No, wait, right now she's still Sherry Martell.
0: All right, stay tuned. We're going to get you back up into the ring in just a moment or two for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action. Certainly history was made in Houston, Texas, the date, July the 24th, 1987, the longtime ladies champion, the fabulous Mula, dethroned by my guest at this time from New Orleans, Louisiana, Sherry Martell. Welcome aboard and congratulations on winning the title.
12: Well, uh, Mr. Jean Oakley, I'm gonna take this belt off here because I feel a little bit uncomfortable with it around my waist. However, I wanna take it off so I can let any and every woman out there in this wrestling profession. I want you to put your eyes on this ladies because this is Sherry Martel's. This is mine and any of you feel that you are even worth two cents of the gold that I hold here in my precious arms. I want you to come out here and try to challenge me for this title because I will stop at no one and nothing.
0: On that subject, let's talk about the potential challengers. First and foremost, you've got to offer a return bout to the fabulous Moodle, I would assume Ms. Martell.
12: The fabulous moolah, I will be glad to give her a rematch because I will show one time that I am the number one woman in the world. I have the number one body. I have all of the wrestling talent. I can cook. I can do anything, Jane. I can do anything. I can cook anybody, anything they want to. And mostly ladies, I will cook any and every one of you that try to take this prestigious WWF belt from me.
0: All right, well, it certainly is a pleasure talking to you, and once again, congratulations. I know we're going to be seeing you around the horn. Sherry Martell is the brand-new ladies' champion. You've got to be delighted.
12: I am absolutely delighted. I just party every night because I'm so happy because I have this belt.
0: Do you do do cook? I cook
12: anything.
0: Okay, thank you very much. She's the new ladies' champion. We're right back. Wow.
2: There it was, the sensational one still being billed when this was recorded as Sherry Martell here She's ready for all comers. She says she can wrestle and she can cook. And Leilani Kai recently verified that on Twitter, giving away Sherry's pizza spaghetti recipe from back in the day. And of course, the perverted mean gene there taking the word cook to mean something entirely different. As we roll on, we get the replay of the team of Powers in Roma over the Heart Foundation on a reverse decision, courtesy of Mr. T. As Wrestling Challenge rolls on, another special interview this week lined up on the platform Craig DeGeorge standing by. Boy, it is a special interview. Craig DeGeorge with the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, bodyguard Virgil by his side. DiBiase snatching the mic from Craig pretty quickly here, and there's more heat here on challenge than there was on superstars for the million-dollar man. I'll say that much. DiBiase letting everyone know that he's rich and we're poor, but he can be a generous man sometimes, and he brings up a female quote-unquote fan here stating that you look poor. I had to pop for that one and contrary to years of speculation, this woman is not Linda McMahon, guys. I don't care what you say. Though Bruce Pritchard has stated she did work in the office, I do believe, but definitely not Linda McMahon. And yes, even when I was much younger and I saw this for the first time in a long time, I too thought this was Linda McMahon, but that is simply not the case here. Sorry to bum you guys out, but DiBiase bringing this lady up onto the stage, offering her $300 to bark like a dog. But not just bark like a dog, get down on all fours and bark like a dog, because that's how a dog barks. And the lady obliges, down on all fours and barking into the microphone, woof. But not nearly good enough, says Ted DiBiase. He wants to hear a chihuahua bark. The lady replies, yip, yip. DiBiase says, that's $100. I wrote LOL, clearly DiBiase paying $100 per bark here, it would seem. So we move on, and DiBiase now asking the lady to bark like a bulldog as she says, woof, woof. The Million Dollar Man says, that's better, but that's only $200, $100 to go still, so one more dog to go. How about a big dog, a great big dog, a Great Dane? Last bark of the night? Rough, rough, says the lady. I can't believe this is happening. So Ted then asking Virgil if he thinks she earned the $300. Virgil apparently says no here because DiBiase says, well, neither do I. DiBiase then turning to the crowd, calling the lady and all of the fans suckers as he keeps the money for himself. I wrote, what a douche. So they figured it out, guys, how to get heat on the millionaire here. Stop giving away money to people for doing things and screw them instead. Keep the cash for yourself. That's how you remain the million dollar man. So the DiBiase humiliating fans on the stage promos have begun and these absolutely get the character over in front of the live crowd anyway. Really good stuff here, and it's just going to continue to get better and better or worse, depending on how you want to look at it. As we roll out, we get a quick brief promo from executive producer David Wolf in the music industry talking about the Pile Driver music album. David Wolf signed on to be the executive producer here for Pile Driver, as he claims President Jack Tunney called him up and said, Dave, let's do another album. That's how it works in the record business, guys. So, just like that, Rick Derringer joins in, and the wrestlers also singing. They were just as good. It's the guys that do it for a living. Wolf stating that it's going to be a great album. And for those who care, I still have my Pile Driver album. I purchased it maybe close to 30 years ago. Unused original release, still in the original packaging. Plastic and all. And David Wolf, he knows the shtick, guys. The manager at the time of one Cindy Lauper, and he was also part of the entire rock and wrestling era a couple of years prior. So David Wolf knows all about the WWF as we roll on back to the ring, ravishing Rick Rude in the ring here. Slated to take on Sonny Rogers, of course, in Rude's corner, it's Bobby the Brain Heenan, as Rude taking the mic from Mel Phillips here to tell the men to keep the noise down so that he can show off his body once again to the ladies in the arena. Luscious Johnny V then returning to commentary, stating that you can wash your socks on Rick Rude's abs. Johnny V really taking a liking to this put-together man ravishing Rick Rude. And rather than an insert promo here in this matchup, we get an insert body shot of Rick Rude's abs instead. So the insert promo window turns into a shot of Rick Rude's abs. Then back to the action, it's the ravishing one with a press slam and some posing before locking in the body breaker. The -the over-the-shoulder backbreaker here, gonna get Rude the submission win in a quick 57 seconds. So Rick Rude already moved away from the slingshot suplex, and bummer for that because he executed it really nicely. And I never liked the body breaker finisher for Rude, And I get it was following in the footsteps of Superstar Graham and even Jesse Ventura, but Rude never looked big enough for it. It just never came off like a finisher to me when Rick Rude did the move. And as good as he was, a flashier move like the Slingshot Suplex was always a better fit. Rude was doing the DDT and Crockett. Of course, coming over, you can't do the DDT here. Jake Roberts already has it. And we're still months away from the Rude Awakening neckbreaker, so I would have loved to have seen the Slingshot Suplex used a little longer here in between but it is off to the body breaker, which we know he'll use at least into the early part of 1988. As we have one more match for you here this week on Wrestling Challenge, the team of Kamala and Sika, accompanied to the ring by Mr. Fuji and Kim Chi, going to take on the duo of Mark Richards and Leaping Lanny Pafo, and Pafo with a poem for us all, ripping on Kamala and Sika, who hopefully don't understand English, or Pafo is in big trouble here. Sometimes, Lanny, you just ask for it. As the match gets going, we get an insert promo from Fuji, who shows us a picture of Bam Bam Bigelow. Perhaps our first full body shot of the Bammer here. Fuji's stating that Bam Bam Bigelow, the flames on his head, will turn him into a volcano. righty. Then to the action, Lanny Poffo tasting the mat, followed by Mark Richards, and then a Sika Samoan drop, and Kamala going to the top rope this week, dropping the splash off the top down onto poor Richards. Gotta get Kamala and Sika the win in two minutes flat. And then Kamala post-match going back up for a second splash, but he's talked down as they quickly cut away from the action, likely because, I believe, this is Kamala's final TV appearance, or close to it. And then up next, more Mr. Fuji. We just saw him out there with Kamala and Sika. Now we're going to hear from the devious one. He's standing by with Mean Gene Okerlund and Killer Khan.
0: A man that has fared well through the years in the World Wrestling Federation, my guest at this time, from Osaka, Japan. Certainly, he is a world-class wrestler with his experience in the martial arts. Come on in, Mr. Fuji. Now, you're faring just absolutely fantastic as one of the great managers in the World Wrestling yes. Federation. With Demolition Axe and Smash, yes. they're doing very well as they work their way to the top yes. for the tag team titles. Right. And also,
6: Khan will try to get you, hogan And I want you to see Khan... Yeah! What, what is this? Because he loves to be tortured, and I slap his head with 2x4, and I hit his back with steel pipe, and he loves it.
0: You know, right now, you take a look at Killer Khan, he's got a very impressive background. Let's, uh, let's touch on that just a little bit. As I understand, he is a former sumo grand champion. Is that correct?
6: Very true! And he has a big trophy for Emperor of Japan. He presented him as one of the greatest athletes from Japan.
0: Hirohito did that for Killer Khan? Yes,
6: Emperor Hirohito himself.
0: I'm very curious, what kind of regimen do you put this man on on a weekly basis? What kind of, what kind of uh, work do you have him do? I have steel spike on floor, and I have him walk on steel spike.
6: To have him have feeling of greatness, the feeling of the being tortured, so he understands about pain and he loves pain. And just like for you, Hogan son, you gonna love pain. And all the little going to be out there laughing at you, boy song. Yeah.
0: I think you can elaborate a little bit more on on his exercise, his regimen, than just walking on steel spikes. What about what kind of a workout does he go through?
6: He go to the gym. And I teach him the martial art. I teach him nerve points way to grab what to do. Then if you don't do right with this game, I hit here. And I don't play wrong. I hit very hard. And again, if you don't do right, I hit here. Again, he showed discipline. This is that kind of training I give because Mr. Fuji loves to see men suffer, including my own team. They will suffer if they do not listen to Mr. Fuji.
0: Is he so well-disciplined that he doesn't retaliate when you hit him? He shows respect and for the honorable Mr. Fuji, sir. <laughs> and he even received uh, some kind of accolade from the Emperor of Japan, Hirohito?
6: Very, very soon. All very, right, thank you, Mr. Fuji,
0: and one of the greats from the Far East, Killer Khan.
2: So Fuji says he cracks Khan's head with a two-by-four and is back with a steel pipe. He even makes the killer walk on steel spikes because Khan loves the pain and torture, and Fuji loves dishing out the pain and torture. Very good, boy-san. As we come back from break, we see poor Mark Richards being removed from ringside on a stretcher. After that top rope splash from Kamala, the first one he's hit basically all year, and ironically, the last. And that'll conclude Wrestling Challenge as we move on to primetime wrestling for August the 17th. Hosted by Gorilla Monsoon Bobby the Brain Heenan, as we kick things off here in the intro, Bobby Heenan wanting his $100 back that the gorillas stole from him last week.
10: What a blockbuster we have this week, Brian. You yes. have a
8: clue as to what we're doing? This I week? have a clue what we're doing. I'm trying to find out how to get my 100 bucks back. 100 bucks? The one
10: you beat me out of last week. Oh, that's so minimal. It doesn't amount to it. What's $100 You're right. to you?
8: You're right. What's 100
10: bucks? There's nothing, right? I don't care about 100 bucks. Uh, I drop well, that much in tips
8: three, four times a day. Sure. Don't mean that to
10: me. Give me a break. Junkyard Dog, our feature match this week against the one-man gang. Should be interesting to see uh, if the dog can handle this uh, 500-pounder.
8: I don't think the dog is going to be able to power slam this guy. It'd be interesting. I think his best bet would be to put his tail between his legs and head back to the kennel. Speaking about mutts. what this guy
10: might make a good opponent for King Kong Bundy. The gang? Yeah it would be up. a heck of a of match they'd have to reinforce the ring and everything
8: right and they'd have to move ringside back around 12 rows but bundy would emerge uh, victorious because i'm his manager i'm going to take a look at uh, your latest find this week as well ravishing oh, ravishing rick rude probably the hottest item in professional wrestling today you think so i know so even hotter than uh, mr wonderful
10: no comment yeah he's right? well i was going to oh, say okay. something i'm sorry i interrupted go ahead what were you going to say Mr. Wonderful, was he in semi-retirement? No, now?
8: he's not in retirement. He keeps asking me that question. He wanted time off. He's relaxing we got a down the Caribbean.
10: Non-title match coming up right now. The Hart Foundation taking on Powers and Roma. Let's go to it.
2: So we kick things off here. Bobby Heenan having some fun at the expense of Junkyard Dog on commentary, and we learned that Rick Rude will be here in action this week again. Is Rick Rude even hotter than Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff? More seeds planted here, and Gorilla Monsoon making it clear he's not giving back that hundred-dollar bill. As the show rolls on, we're coming out of a replay of the matchup where it's Roma and Power scoring the reverse decision win over tag team champion Hart Foundation, all thanks to special enforcer, Mr. T. We're going to hear Bobby's take on the entire situation.
10: Mr. T. (sighs) Exhorting some of that power given
8: to him by Jack Tunney. What
10: pitiful judgment. President of the World Wrestling. First of all, what
8: happened there? Bret Hart dropped the man and he went to extend his legs for more leverage and his toes merely hooked the top rope. Accidentally. Accidentally. Oh, but let's say deliberately he meant to do that. The most a referee can do is not reverse the decision, but have the match continue. Neither Hartner nor Ihart were pinned. That was a complete bad call on T's part, who was incompetent to not only be a referee, but to be a subhuman. And then on the other referee's part, you know his job.
10: You know what it says in the record book? Yes, I do. Yeah. It says, Powers uh, and Roma. Powers oh, and Roma defeated the Hart Foundation. It's not fair. In a non-title matchup. doesn't say anything about special appearance by Mr. T or anything of that nature. just says, hearts were defeated by Powers and Roma.
8: And then everybody blames me it for things that. Sounds sort of happened. definite, doesn't it? Sounds rather terminal. Yeah. You're
10: going to have to deal with this, and all the members of your family are going to have to deal with Mr. T.
2: So Bobby Heenan arguing there, Mr. T getting involved, but what does the record book say at the end of the day? Powers and Roma, the winners, and it will not state special appearance made by Mr. T. Powers and Roma, the winners over the hearts. Sounds definite, says Gorilla. The brain says, sounds terminal. We go on. A couple more sound bites left here for primetime this week. Craig DeGeorge now standing by up on the interview platform, going to get a primetime exclusive interview with the latest manager here in the WWF. It's the debut of Sir Oliver Humperdinck.
10: Manager is a very important part of the world of professional wrestling, as the brain is well aware, and I'm sure that, uh, in fact, in my travels, I talk to people all the time about I mean, one of the questions is, how do I become a manager? Well, seems to be an abundance of managers right now in the World Wrestling Federation, and a new arrival on the scene is someone, uh, I think, in your opinion, leaves a lot to be desired.
8: Well, the man is world famous. He's set a reputation for himself. Personally, I don't get along with the guy, and I don't like him. He's trashed, as far as I'm concerned.
10: Well, he doesn't speak too highly of you either. Let's go to the Ladies and
3: gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the newest manager here in the World Wrestling Federation. Welcome, please, Oliver Humperdinck. Good to be with you, Craig.
11: Good to see everybody here today, and it's good to be in the WWF. Let me tell you something now. I've been a wrestling manager for a long, long time, and there's one thing I don't like, and that's how all managers get a bad name by a few clowns. Now, you got Johnny V, you got Jimmy Hart, You got old, uh, what's his name, Mr. 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 Fuji, and Slickster. They're all right in my books. They don't really bother me that much, but there's one guy I can't stand. I mean, he's running around here shooting his mouth off all the time, and whenever he's around, managers like me get a bad name, and I'm talking about the one and only Weasel
7: Bobbin.
11: I don't like Bobby here. I don't like him now. I didn't like him then, and I'm not going to like him next week. So anyway, Bobby Heenan, in my opinion, gives all wrestling managers a bad name. Bobby Heenan is a liar. Bobby Heenan is a thief. Bobby Heenan doesn't even wait to call his mother. That's how bad this guy is. Bobby Heenan has stabbed every major professional wrestler at one time or another in the back. I know for a fact that this guy is cheating a lot of guys out of a lot of money. And Bobby Heenan, in my book, you are lower you are lower than a snake's belly. And I am personally up to here with guys like Bobby Heenan. I, I think we get the message, uh, Mr. Hubbard Hey, hey, you want another definition of a weasel? There's a weasel right there! You're a weasel! Who do you think you are making your first appearance in the World Wrestling Federation and belittling me in front of the great sport that I built? belittle you because it's so easy to do. Hey, hey, I'm talking to you, and I want you to get something straight. Let me tell you something, redhead. Humperdinck, if you think you're going to walk right in here and make a name for yourself at my expense, you're darn wrong. Because before you, there's been others, and I'm still here. And I'm going to tell you another thing. Nobody dressed like you're dressed. With long, straggly, lousy looking red hair and this beard. Why don't you shave it a little bit?
8: Nothing like being put in your place. The only reason I didn't leave him laying there on that ramp out cold is because he pushed me off, took a cheap shot about six or seven feet. And I kind of wrenched my back there. I'm okay now. But the day's going to come when that punk's going to get in my face again. And you're going to see no more red fur on that face, no more red hair on that face, or those lousy-looking, buggy-looking eyes sticking out of his skull, that frog face looking geek, because I'm going to get him down and make sure that he doesn't come out his first debut in the World Wrestling Federation and try to make a fool out of me. He took a lucky shot. He did. Okay, you got one. I'm going to get the rest. You know, all the
10: things, I listened very carefully to all the things he said about you. Yes, he is a liar. He, he recognized you. He knows you very well. And I know him very Obviously, well. Obviously, you've had some run-ins in the past.
8: Never have, but he's jealous of me. He's jealous of me because I'm the premier manager in the world of professional wrestling. You're the what? Premier manager in the world of professional That's what wrestling.
10: What you said.
2: So Oliver Humperdinck taking issue with the brain, or so it would seem here, and out comes Bobby the Brain Heenan. So Humperdinck says it's guys like Bobby Heenan, the weasel, who give managers a bad name. Bobby Heenan coming out to confront the quote-unquote frog-faced geek, leading to Humperdinck shoving Bobby Heenan off the platform. That's what happens there at the end of that promo, if you guys are curious. Now, don't worry, the brain landed on his feet but sold his back. Maybe he strained his back on the way off the platform. Surprised he didn't sell that neck injury. Neck brace all over again here, but... Oliver Humperdinck here in the WWF, and apparently he's going to become a babyface manager. Very intriguing. And that interview segment recorded on August the 4th in Madison, Wisconsin. As primetime goes on, we're coming out of a Rick Rude squash, getting a nice win here over the Cowboy Scott Casey. Gorilla Monsoon telling Bobby Heenan that Rick Rude needs to buy bigger tights. I'll admit they're a little short, a little tight here, a little too small in this particular matchup. And Bobby Heenan going to respond.
10: You know, as his manager, you have a certain responsibilities, do you not? Yes, I do. One of them, uh, one of the paramount ones should be to get the guy some tights that fit him. This is a family program, you know.
8: Well, Scott it Casey's fault. He kept X-rated pulling there. on the man's tights. That's what happened. He broke the elastic. That's Scott Casey's fault, trying to gain an advantage because he was... The guy's
10: pants were too small for him. Scott Casey's? Rick Roots. Oh, and no, as his manager, I hold you directly responsible for
8: that. What, am I now in charge of pants and tights mm-hmm. and trunks? That's part of the uh, managerial duties, isn't it? No, not? it is not. I'm not in charge of trunks, I'll tights, socks. I'll check with Oliver and see if that's Oliver, true. Oliver, oh, don't. You better check with him right now because he isn't going to be around here long. <laughs> well, you, you give me
10: your phone? I don't need the telephone. Highly unlikely that you'll be able to do anything about it whatsoever.
2: So Gorilla instructing the brain to get some new tights that fit him. Referring to Rick Rude. This is a family program, after all. Is that not part of your managerial duties? The Brain's stating, of course it's not. And Rick Roode, he hasn't moved over to the airbrush tights yet, but he does have those cool rainbow ones coming up. I believe the ones he had on here in the Scott Casey match, a pink number that were indeed a little too small. As we move on, a few primetime exclusives here this week. Taped August the 5th, Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Outlaw Ron Bass over Sonny Rogers with his pedigree-type maneuver. Match went about two minutes. Also here. Another exclusive August the 4th in Madison, Wisconsin. Cowboy Bob Orton over George the Animal Steel on a disqualification. That match only going about three minutes before George Steele hitting Orton with a steel chair. Then post-match Orton being chased away by another chair shot by the animal there. And then, well, it gets a little interesting, guys. And I put this one up on YouTube. And people have been asking, am I going to continue to post WWF 87 videos on my YouTube channel now that I finished off the January through June playlist? Is there going to be a July through December playlist? Well, the truthful answer, guys, to that is probably not. I will continue to add random segments or matches from throughout 1987, but it won't be as detailed as the first half was. I simply don't have the time for YouTube right now as I continue to convert all my other videos, all my other DVDs, stuff from my external hard drives, my old VHS collection. I'm converting it all to digital right now, so I really don't have the time to pull from the 87 videos around the clock and just upload that stuff to my YouTube. So, that said, it's going to be a little more few and far between as far as WWF 87 footage goes moving forward on YouTube, but there will be all sorts of video footage coming to YouTube from various eras and various promotions, I promise you that much, each and every week. But for right now, we're going to close out this edition of Primetime. Listen to this one. La Crosse, Wisconsin, August the 5th. The matchup's okay. It's the Junkyard Dog battling the one-man gang to a double disqualification when Slick gets the cane in the ring and then the dog and gang fighting over the cane, both of them accidentally knocking down the referee as the dog finally grabbing control of the cane and knocking the gang out of the ring. Now, the match, like I said, ruled a double DQ, went about six and a half minutes, but the interesting part, and this is why I added it to my YouTube channel over there at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade, this was during a period where Vince was worried Jesse Ventura was going to hit it off big as a movie star and leave the company. So they were looking for new people to fill in for Jesse's potential departure from the company. And I suppose new announcers in general. So we hear Bruce Pritchard, Mike McGurk, Craig DeGeorge getting shots, Leaping Lanny Poffo, not very good in that spot, I I promise you. Of course, the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty. But this may be the oddest pairing in wrestling history. Two guys who have no background or experience in announcing still active competitors here in the WWF roster. And I'm assuming for different reasons, they were given the shot and I'll get to that in just a minute, but I'm talking about, listen to this, the broadcast team of Jake, the snake Roberts in the magnificent Don Morocco, Jake Roberts and Don Morocco acting as play by play and color commentator for this match. And I have thoughts as to why a lot of these guys were tried out. Obviously, Lanny Poffo going nowhere on the undercard. They give him a shot. But here, Jake the Snake Roberts, we know he's had a lot of bad injuries coming out of that feud with the honky-tonk man. It's put him on the shelf quite a bit. A lot of nerve damage or pain anyway on Jake the Snake Roberts. So maybe he was looking at this as a potential backup plan in case he couldn't go in the ring. And then on the other end, Don Morocco, while he gets a resurgence here, a slight resurgence as a babyface in the rock Don Morocco for the next year, the writing is still on the wall. His peak years in prime are already behind him. So Don Morocco even getting a tryout. As a potential announcer here, and it's really rough listening to Don Morocco for six minutes plus with that really gravelly voice. But Jake and Morocco together with nobody really to lead the ship, very interesting. I encourage you guys to go check out the match. Yes, it's on Peacock as well, but if you don't feel like diving in to the August 17th edition of Primetime and trying to find this dog and gang match, you can head on over to my YouTube right now and watch the match in its entirety, Jake the Snake Roberts and the Magnificent Morocco on commentary. And it's as crazy as it sounds. And that's going to wrap it up here this week on The Grenade, guys. Got a lot of action out of the way, and things just keep getting hotter and hotter here as the summer goes along. And we still have two more weeks of August TV to tackle here next week on The Grenade as we finish out the month of August, slowly moving into the fall of 1987, another upcoming edition of Saturday Night's Main Event right around the corner, and the very first Survivor Series pay-per-view not too far away as well. And as always, I appreciate you guys for coming along for the ride. And just a quick reminder, guys, go on over to WrestleCopia.com right now. That's WrestleCopia.com to check out all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, including the Regional Wrestling Podcast, dropping more Mid-South 86, more Georgia 81. Also, the Monday Warfare Podcast. We're moving into the month of August in 1996, heading into the Hog Wild Pay-Per-View, as well as SummerSlam, Shawn Michaels versus Vader. And be sure to follow me on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Rassling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Always posting fun stuff there on my Twitter account. Not just about the WrestleCopia podcast network, but just old school video clips and pictures as well. And of course, like I said at the top of the show, guys, I really appreciate your patronage. If you guys want to give it a try at that $5 all access tier, I'm talking patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address is patreon.com slash wrestle, CoPIA I'm a one-man show here, guys. I do it all. I'm the jack of all trades, so to speak, for the WrestleCopia podcast network. I don't try to hide it, and I'm also the sole financial backer to this entire network, guys, meaning, yes, I pay for all the hosting, all the production equipment, all the software that I use, and every penny of it comes out of my pocket or from your kindness through your patronage as part of the WrestleCopia Patreon account. So, again, if you could, give that $5 all-access tier a try. Help support the WrestleCopia podcast network and everything I'm trying to do here to preserve wrestling history. And you can do that, once again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. $5 all-access tier gets you all sorts of good things, including the Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, the digital downloads, get a lot of good feedback about those, and so much more. All of that for just $5. No subscription. Cancel any time. Give it a try for a month. I think you'll like the content we offer. And at the end of the day, I think you're going to feel good about yourself helping keep this show up and running for the months and the years to come, helping support the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. I thank you guys so very much once again this week. And again, I am your host, Ray Russell. You know the drill from pillar to post and coast to coast. You pull the pin, and I'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there!
6: Headbutt dynamite.